Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Talking Sith Pod. There are 48 days left until Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And here's the rundown for this week's show. We will discuss the ocean moon of Kef Burr, the novel Resistance Reborn's returning character Revelation, the big Knights of Ren news from the Kylo Ren comic number two, Ewan McGregor's been professionally lying to us for four years, from a certain point of view. No wonder he was cast as Kenobi. Benioff and Weiss hop on a Netflix dragon and exit stage right, and we break down the new Mandalorian trailer, but only after an extraordinary interview with Dominic Pace, who plays a bounty hunter in The Mandalorian. Dominic is a shot of Star Wars energy and positivity that we surely welcome in the fandom today. This is Talking Sea, your weekly supply of the dark side, not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. Hey, Josh, this is Joost from the Netherlands again. I just saw the trailer and I'm really just blown away. It's awesome. But I was wondering uh, about this big sea that we see. Um, what do you think? I think it's filled with, I think, fanboy tears. What are your opinions about it? <laughs> 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 Wow. It's filled with the tears of Star Wars fanboys. That is amazing. That was funny. Fanboy tears. And guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast this week. I am Josh Roach. These other voices you hear are... Casey Schreffler. I'm Josh Timke. I'm Chad Campbell. And the voice you just heard was none other than Jos Dedix. That is his name. I love juiced. And being awesome is his game. The ocean he is talking about is none other than the ocean moon of Kef Burr. So, did you guys hear this? In an announcement about a forthcoming update to the Star Tours ride, the adventure continues. Disney has named a planet the ocean moon Kef Burr with a concept art updated ride showing the same Death Star dish as can be seen in the Rise of Skywalker trailer. So, not Endor. Not Camino. Not Camino, but the ocean moon of Kef Burr. Ocean moon, uh, forest moon, possibly still in the Endor system? It Maybe not. Well I, mean, I mean, well, I guess that would make sense, right? I mean, if, if, they're, if they're going with the different elements, right? Forest yeah. moon, ocean moon. Maybe there's a fire moon, a lava moon. Yeah, Maybe because... It's Mustafar. Maybe it's Mustafar. Who knows? Mustafar is, Mustafar is, like, around some larger planet, isn't it? And uh, Endor, if you look up canonically, um, Endor is a gas giant. Just like Yavin, so... There you go. In other news, this week coming up uh, at the beginning of November here, the novel Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, it is now confirmed. There was a bit of a kerfuffle uh, where there were two different covers released and then quickly taken down. And one of the covers, we saw a figure standing behind Finn that looked like one of our favorite rogue squadron pilots, Wedge Antilles. 
And now it is official in this release. We see, yes, Wedge Antilles is a vital character in Resistance Reborn, as is his love, Nora Wexley, Snap Wexley's mom from the Aftermath series. Wedge is revealed to have been a mentor to Poe and the veterans' past achievements and service bring an instant gravitas to the rebirth of the Resistance. It's not this- surprising that he's a mentor to Poe, given that Wedge was literally the only pilot to survive the entire original trilogy. Yeah, and one of the only ones to uh, take help take down both Death Stars. Yeah, and uh, this comes hot on the heels of uh, Rebel Force Radio reported a few weeks ago that they had reached out to some people in um, uh, his camp, and they uh, they were saying that Dennis Lawson in Dennis Lawson's camp they said that Dennis Lawson is in Episode Nine. Really. Interesting. So this book, Resistance Reborn, it's being toted like it's being toted as a must read going into episode nine. Interesting. Also uh coming out just in the past week is the comic book cover for the Kylo Ren series, Rise of Kylo Ren. Uh, that cover that cover is super awesome looking. And that's issue number two. This right? is issue number two. That's not even gonna come out till January. Yeah, And on the cover, we see Luke Skywalker, hashtag Ignite the Green, a young Kylo Ren in Jedi robes and a blue saber. And surrounding them are the Knights of Ren, including a Knight of Ren in the back with like a very blank looking mask that I don't think we've ever seen before. And he has Hold, a lightsaber. Holding a lightsaber. Yeah, that is insane. Is that let, like some kind of writing on the front that... Is that how he sees, or does he just not see? It's yeah, that's that mask. It, I don't know if it's. Yeah. There's some markings well, on the well, front his, of his. Like so, I mean, he could be an alien. If you look at the sides of the actual helmet, yeah, you can see like a glint in the left one. That could oh be yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like maybe the eye, maybe he's an alien. Maybe the eyes are further around, or maybe that's just like like a, a hand of Sauron type thing, like markings or like. Yeah, like you get a tattoo, right? That, that kind of looks like uh, something like that, maybe from his home world or family. All right, let me read you this press release. With the new Jedi school in ruins and fellow students hot on his trail for the murder of their master, Ben Solo flees to the only friend he has left in the galaxy, a man named Snoke. But Snoke has plans for Ben and ideas about the Force that are dangerous as they are intriguing for the troubled young Jedi. If Ben wishes to truly be free, answers might lie with the dark side and with the Knights of Ren, but it won't be the first time he's tangled with the Knights. In the past, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker journeys to the Unknown Regions and brings young Ben along for the mission. Can even Luke Skywalker stand against the fabled Knights of Ren? So what it sounds like is, to kind of piece together those two facts, um, maybe the rest of the students thought, like they must have all thought Luke was dead, Kylo killed some of them, and the ones that Luke thought went with Kylo actually pursued Kylo and may probably died afterwards. My theory is now that this guy back here with the lightsaber used to be the master of the Knights of Ren, and Kylo Ren took him out, usurped him, and became the master of the Knights of Ren. This, that would make sense. I mean, this, this looks like to me, so, so he becomes a leader of the Knights of Ren. Like after, after this. After, after leaving, he convinces them that he had killed Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah, so okay. the Knights of Ren are already an established thing before he even yeah, turns. They, they, need, they need to do better work on the uh, 
facial stuff. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a a female to me. Like right. Not that it's a bad thing. I just thought it was a. Well, Adam Driver's got a pretty face. It, was, yeah. it looked like a completely different character, and there's multiple lightsabers. There's three, at least, in this in this cover. Right. That's where we point out. We got so you got Ben who had a blue lightsaber. You got Luke's ignite well, the green. At, oh no! All the lightsabers look the same. I was gonna say uh, his looks extra, like not defined. Well, I think, I it's, think it's the raining rain. on it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just yeah. The rain. I, I know it's on everyone. So. so yeah, looking forward to this filling in some more gaps on. Uh, so 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 like the ongoing theory then. Early. Kylo went back to them after he thought he killed Luke. Took control of the entire order. It yeah, looks like the guy, it looks like the guy in the back is the dude right. He's now. in charge. Yeah, yeah. Theory on this. Um, is that Kylo kills that guy in this battle with Luke. Kylo kills that guy in the back, and he thinks he's really powerful. And instead, and they're all, like, afraid of him now, or Knights of Ren or whatever. And then Luke pulls some of his, like, how dare you do that? That was so wrong. That's not the Jedi way. But he's like, I thought I did the right thing, which creates even more friction. I think that's kind of what this comic could Mm. try to establish. That division between them starts with something like this. That'd be awesome, dude. All right, guys, did you catch the uh, the clip of Ewan McGregor on the Ellen show this week? Um, actually, uh, Ellen wasn't there. It was uh, Howie Mandel had filled in for him. <laughs> I didn't see that. I saw him on a different show. Well, he's basically, yeah, he's basically been saying practicing, the... Practicing growing the beard. Oh, yeah, here we go, here we go. Like it's, uh, you, America made Halloween into... I love that about America, that there's so many holidays, and Halloween is a big deal here. You know what you should dress up as? What? If I was you, I would dress up as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) You think? I would. Well, because I don't know, I don't know, do they know, like, this was pretty new at Comic-Con, you kept a secret for, like, four years, right? Yeah. That, and now it's coming back, you're going to play it again, you're going to reprise that. That's right. Yeah. It was difficult. amazing? Thank you. It was, it's, it's awkward, because the studios and the franchises, they want to keep everything totally secret of course which i understand but as the person being asked over and over and over again will you are you would you do it again would you do it again and i'm i'm already talking to them about it but right. i can't say that i am so right. like for four years i was saying well i'd be happy to do it again if they i'm just waiting for the call but all the while so just you were acting you were acting when even when you weren't acting lying What's the difference between lying and acting? <laughs> yeah, act. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you say. He's known about this for four years. He's been on a several interviews talking about this the last couple of days. And yeah, not only that, he uh, came out and said that originally, he's confirmed originally it was a movie. Yeah. Was um, so I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, March 30th, uh, 2016 is when the first news came out. Um, he was asked if he wanted to do it. And if he had met with Kathleen Kennedy about it, he said, I'm not sure I'm at liberty to say really, but I'm very interested in doing that. That would be a great movie. Maybe there's even going to be a trilogy. Ha, 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 ha. This is in, so, I mean, three and a half years at least, he's, I've known that this was going to happen in some form. Yeah, yeah. and then with the shakeup with Solo, I think that's when things started to really take a turn for the worst. Switch to TV. Yeah. Right, but I, mean, but I mean, like, even the like, the thing with the industry now is that some of the best stories are told on TV. 
Right. You look at you look at Game of Thrones, whether you're a fan of the last season or not. Breaking Bad. You look at Breaking Bad. You look at Lost. You look at shows like The Boys on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with yourself, like the, a lot of t like TV can expand a character further than you can in a movie. I'm way more happy to get like seven to eight hours of Obi Wan. Well, they said it's going to be six one hour episodes confirmed now. Yeah, really, I thought, yes, I thought it's was, just I about it was, three hours worth. It's just thought, a limited three series. movies worth. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was eight. Episodes. Eight for the Mandalorian, six for Kenobi. Yeah, basically well, taking the trilogy script and adapting it to television. Right. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Six out. Like, because like, if the first movie failed, you wouldn't get a second or maybe third movie. You know. Right. And that's why I wish they would have done this with Solo to begin with, man. Now, Casey, you just mentioned uh, Benioff and Weiss. News about Benioff and Weiss in a statement to Deadline announcing their departure. Weiss and Benioff said. We love Star Wars. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. Getting to talk about Star Wars with him and the current Star Wars team was a thrill of a lifetime, and we will always be indebted to the saga that changed everything. There are only so many hours in a day, and we felt we could not do it justice, both Star Wars and our Netflix projects, so we regretfully are stepping away. Kennedy added, Benioff and Weiss are incredible storytellers. We hope to include them in the journey forward when they are able to step away from their busy schedule to focus on Star Wars. What a slap. What a slap there. Um, so <laughs> when you're working with Disney and with Kathleen Kennedy and things like that, you're working on like a tentpole trilogy uh, similar to Marvel. That's what they want you to focus on. Kind of like the Russo brothers. You know, they did the the end game and 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 the right. movie like that so um, they didn't work on anything else. What uh, DB Weiss had going on was a two hundred and fifty plus million dollar deal with Netflix. Right, their competitor. Right, and they thought that they could do both, but with the backlash um, with the last season of Game of Thrones, whether you liked it or not, there's varying opinions. Um, there are a lot of people who say that, you know, they can take an adapt material, but right. with them creating new material, it's terrible. And then you go into why people think that they let that, that the last season of Game of Thrones was so short in episodes and time. HBO wanted more. Yeah. They did. It's a proven yep. fact. Yep. But uh, they were like, no, because. No, we want to wrap it up essentially. I think there was a burnout. No, it wasn't burnout. They wanted to focus on Star Wars, but then they got this Netflix deal, which is bang, 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 money, money, money. Right. Less um, pressure, less backlash. Way less pressure, way less fan backlash. And they even said something. Who would want to deal with the backlash? Certainly not them. It's not 100% confirmed, but they're saying that they were working on an Origins of the Jedi story. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's pretty much everywhere. <clears throat> yeah. And then you also have things like uh, Kevin Feige now, right? Coming. Okay, so look, I, I mean, thing. there's been whispers about Benioff and Weiss being done for months now. Essentially, if you go back and look at the timeline, started off, they announced, they said they're working on a series of films. A series. That could be what? That could be 30 films. Who Four, knows? five films, six <laughs> films, right? If it was a trilogy, they would have said trilogy, right? If it was a duology, they would have said duology. And then, Nobody would say duology. Nobody in the world. 
I agree with Tim Q in that one. That's a stupid word. Thrawn duology. <laughs> Thrawn duology. And Star Wars fandom is a well-known thing. Look up Thrawn duology. But um, I've never heard of that before. Nobody would ever say duology. If you're familiar with the Star Wars expanded universe, I, I would just say a, you would have said for one just, movie they say monology. I, I would. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. Right. I would just would have said a sequel. All right. So if you're looking at a, a monology, a duology, you know. And then it went down to, so at first they say a series, and then they said trilogy. And then they said, well, we're at least working on the treat, a treatment for one. As soon as they said that, I think that ship had sailed, that they were already basically, what do you guys think? Do you think they left, or do you think Kathleen mm-hmm. sent them packing? I think Disney stepped in, which is why Kevin Feige's coming into the Star Wars yep, universe. I agree. I think Kathleen Kennedy is in hot ice because of what happened with Solo. Hot ice. Ooh. And on top of different, uh, you know, the, the, the various firings or replacements of directors. Yeah, Josh team. Trank, you had problems with... Uh, Colin Trevorrow. And he was a Garrett huge... Edwards. Lord, Garrett Lord Edwards. Lord. He did a lot of stuff. He made multi-million, bill, you know, billion-dollar movie. And what has he done since Rogue One? Nothing. Well, then, uh, 40, have, 40% have, of the film isn't even his. Yeah, yeah. Tony Gilroy took it over. And, and you have Lord and Miller too that were replaced. You want to know what? As soon as Benioff and Weiss that came became public, uh, it was either Lord or Miller. I believe it was Lord. He tweeted one thing. Yep. So at this point, do you think Ryan Johnson back up to bat? Uh, I, I'm not mad at a Ryan Johnson trilogy to be honest. Uh, I, Ryan Johnson's a very good director. Um, yeah. I, well, the, the only thing that I'm mad about is, you know, let's let's figure something out. Let's get the directors on board with Disney and find a common vision, because a lot of directors coming up, they think they're auteurs. They have their own ideas. It's this or that. But before you announce it, get it set. Let's, let's figure this stuff out first. Yeah, which is, I mean, I think that uh, we we've seen this now with uh, Deborah Chow. And we talked about about this on the podcast a while ago with the Mandalorian. They had all these different um, directors come in as they do with the television series. And Deborah Chow directed a couple episodes of the Mandalorian, and now she is directing all of Kenobi. Yeah, I think that Mandalorian is going to become their training grounds, yep. like to get these to see who can actually do it and who can't. Carl um, Weathers, give him a Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, they were really fast at like grabbing. Now I, I want to know how that would be. Honestly, um, they were really fast. The at Force doing, is soup. Grabbing Episode new people one. because they had one good movie, and then they're like, they can do this, but the chances are, and it's proven that they really couldn't. All right, guys, speaking of The Mandalorian, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we have our interview with Dominic Pace, who plays a bounty hunter in the upcoming Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace. Whether it was a light switch in the bedroom, the bedsheets, the curtains, the birthday parties, the Halloween costumes, Christmas presents, action figures, or play sets... Star Wars during childhood fueled the imagination as it inspired optimism and hope. In September of 2018, what started as a simple makeup test ended up becoming a childhood dream come true. I was selected to be a unique featured bounty hunter in the new Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. Thank you so much to Legacy Effects' Brian Sype, to costume designer Richard Apura, 
director Deborah Chow, George Lucas, David Filoni, and John Favreau. This was a dream come true. I look forward to sharing in the fandom in what is arguably the greatest franchise in Hollywood history. Thank you so much for your support, and may the force be with all of you. Uh, ever since I was five years old, my mother used to have that magnetic board, you know, with the alphabet, and the first words that I spelled uh, was Jawa and Snaggletooth. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, all the original 12 figures. My mom got me the Cantina playset. Uh, I did not see the original in the theaters, but Empire Strikes Back had such a profound effect on me, not, not only for being one of the greatest films of all time, but I got to experience when I was six years old and when it was bigger than life. Uh, you had the magic of, you know, Harrison Ford and, and the music of John Williams, which I think is just timeless. And also, I think, pulls at your heartstrings even more when you're a child, whether it's Star Wars E.T. or, or you know, you name it, Close Encounters. Uh, it was just such a magical experience. So I've been a fan as far back as I can remember. Man, that's okay. awesome. Hey, one of the questions we like to ask everybody we have on the podcast is, uh, if you were offered like a billion dollars to go live on a desert island for a year, you can only bring one Star Wars movie with you for entertainment, which one would you choose and why? Episode five, hands down. Uh, for me, what makes Star Wars magical is the mythology and it's the connection with family. I just realized uh, recently uh, the connection that Lucas had with his father and I came from a broken home. So for me, it's the parallels of life. I know a lot of films, even just watching the Lego movie recently, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting on more of a simplistic level. But what really does it for me are the parallels to life. And I, everybody, there's all this criticism about the new episodes and, and series, et cetera. As long as they stick to family and connection of the human element, that's when uh, the movies are magical. Rogue One was effortless in that regard, and it was brilliant because of that. Uh, so episode five, because that to me was the epitome of an amazing movie, an amazing Star Wars film. Oh, 100%. That's the first one I yeah. ever saw. And actually, it was years before I ever realized there was more than, more than that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and to add to that, it's like I, I enjoy sci-fi, but if there's no substance to it, you know, if you think of every sci-fi film that you like, it's when it really, well, the performances are solid, but also there's, there's substance to it in regards to uh, parallel, Parallels of Life. I just saw Brad Pitt in his most recent one. And the, the times or the moments that touch you the most is when there's a connection to life. Um, when it's not and it's just a pew, pew, pew. And as cool as these blasters are and lightsabers, and don't get me wrong, I have my, you know, my collection of my own. Um, it just really doesn't have as much substance as opposed to uh, having that element of, of strong performances. Yeah, so true, man. I think that's what really resonates with all of us is that, uh, like the Joseph Campbell, that you know, the 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 time it's a timeless myth, man. It's just the for this day and time. Absolutely, absolutely. Got to have substance. What was it like putting on the costume, your costume, for the first time, uh, working on the Mandalorian, man? Oh, my heart was pounding. You know, I, I've been a blue collar actor for twenty plus years, and you know, most of the time I'm doing crime dramas. You know, I, I get stereotyped. I don't have a problem with it. I know everybody's up in arms now, whether it's, you know, this is offensive, that's offensive. I'm Italian-American. You know, we, we play a lot of the mob roles and it hasn't been a problem. But the reason I got involved in this business is because of a lot of the passion that, that you guys share and for the fantasy, you know, for the sci-fi. Uh, that's That was always my favorite genre. Uh, so putting it on, my, my heart was just pounding from, from day one. I didn't know what project it was. There were all these secret rooms in this Manhattan Beach studios. The project was called Huckleberry. Every title on each door had this kind of secret code name to it. So I'm literally walking around, not even knowing what the hell I'm part of. I thought it was like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff, you know? Right. Um, but it wasn't until I got into the wardrobe room that it had my name next to the word bounty hunter, and my heart just started pounding. <laughs> um, there was definitely a lot of uh, anxiety because then once I realized you get to that point where you've gotten this far as a Star Wars fan, not even an actor, 
but as a Star Wars fan, and just praying that you get those screenshots, praying that you you got that screen time and that FaceTime. For, for my situation, it was more about Mando and it was about Carl. So you just never know how they're going to shoot it, especially during an ac action sequence. Uh, but I'm feeling pretty darn confident with episode one and episode three. And uh, guys, I can't tell you what a dream this is. I, I really want to devote next year. Uh, you know, everybody, the American mentality, uh, you know, that we always have is just constantly pushing. And what can I get next? For me, I, I, you hit a part in your heart, whatever it is. It could be hitting the lottery. It could be getting a part in Star Wars to where I'm just honestly so darn content. I want to just see what I can do for other people, how I can give back, how I can help others. Um, if people ask me, you know, hey, is there a season two for you? Are you going to be in Kenobi or this and that? I got to be honest. This was about beyond my wildest dreams. Whatever I can do to make others happy and to maybe perhaps achieve their dreams, I, I'm, I'm good. As much as we all want the Academy Award, this <laughs> for any Star Wars fan was beyond anything I could have ever asked for. That's, that's awesome, man. So if you could, uh, what's, what's like one big memory that stands out to you from being on set? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there was this cantina and uh, I walk inside, I was in full makeup and, and costume and everything and, and just standing there with his hands, arms folded was George Lucas. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, and he's talking with Favreau about, you know, just detailed Mandalorian universe stuff. And Kathleen Kennedy's there and she's smiling at me and David Filoni and Favreau and it was Favreau's birthday. Um, it, it just was so surreal. I, you know, I, when you're at this level, unfortunately, you know, it's, this is not some fan uh, convention where, you, you know, you're sitting around being like, hey, how are you? You know, um, but just to be in that presence and to be part of the major leagues in that regard, I've been on television almost over 100 times. But to me, you know, he was my, you know, he, he created our childhood dreams. And I met him 15 years prior, but this was different. This was special. And again, to be a one of a kind, unique bounty hunter, not even just, you know, some, you know, another stormtrooper. No offense to those who portray, you know, uh, um, those characters where there, there's many of them, but to be a one of a kind designed by Brian Seip from Legacy Effects, who did Drax uh, for all the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they, they put so much work into me. It took me two hours to get into a makeup every day. Uh, it, it literally, I mean, I, I, I was shocked to get the paycheck because you're just like, literally, you know, you would have, you would have paid them for this, uh, this experience. Man, that's super cool. I, I'm wondering, how does it, how does it feel to, uh, to potentially be canonized in the Star Wars universe uh, now? You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're holding our breath. You know, the concern, I was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. twice, and the concern in terms of everything from, you know, I mean, the biggest excitement for me, and I, I said this previously, and, and I'm not lying. Honestly, I got into this for the fantasy. I mean, as much as I love the craft of acting, if you were to give me an action figure, that to me would be very much similar to an Academy Award, and I'm not kidding you at all, uh, especially within the Star Wars universe. I'm holding my breath because there are eight episodes I don't know how many intricate characters there are. I, you know, when you, we signed that agreement, uh, the only part of the storyline I saw was when I was there. So I don't know how much more detailed, intricate characters there are. Um, but right now we're just holding our breath because to me, uh, to get a Funko Pop figure uh, for my kids uh, and to have my own Star Wars figure, not just, you know, a fan. I have a, fans uh, coming out from all over the world uh, creating these illustrations and sculptures already of just what they've seen. Um, but to have my own figure through Hasbro or, uh, or Funko Pop or, or Black Series, uh, I, I'll tell you, man, I, I'll just uh, <laughs> I'll roll over in the grave there right away because you, you might as well just put that on my epitaph. That was it. That'd be it. <laughs> um, did you know right away how you wanted to act or what your mannerisms would be for this character? You know, it's funny. Um, 
there's a situation uh, in one of the episodes to where uh, I think it was automatically dictated to me in terms of being unapologetic and ruthless. I'm a really nice guy in real life. I, I guest star on 911 opposite Ronda Rousey um, on Fox, and that'll be in November. And I, I play a lot of tough guys. I love the art because I love to be able to change over. It's almost like my own little venom to where I don't even think my bounty hunter would like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was almost be like a venom where he'd be slapping me around, you know? Um, it, it, I think it was pretty straightforward and due to the circumstances that brought me there in this, this scenario, uh, in terms of being very unapologetic that he would at, at no cost, at, at, nothing would stop him from getting whatever it is. It could be a woman or a child. It did not matter for him. You give him that money and he's going to get it done. Wow. That is very intriguing. I, I like this character. And, and you know, and the, the other thing I hope with the fans that will resonate, I mean, Dengar and Bosk and, and Boba, I mean, they all looked about 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, I'm six foot four. I'm, I'm probably the same size as Kane Hodder, who played Jason from oh, Friday yeah. the 13th. There you go. So, you know, what really appealed to me with Rogue One was those death troopers that were tall. And I like that. I like a tall, you know, masculine presence in terms of my, you know, characters. So I'd like to believe that's going to be a tremendous appeal uh, for the fandom and for the canon and everything else that have this overbearing, um, you know, guy that's flanking Carl, part of this bounty hunter guild uh, that kind of has this really, really unique look there. So you're part of you're part of the bounty hunter guild with a uh, with with grief there. Does your character? Can you uh, give us your character's name? Okay, so here's the story with that. Um, Brian Sype, who was the designer, and he is one of the heads of Legacy Effects. Um, he had this picture on the wall. He, two years prior, he did a Greenpeace project to where he had this small framed woman, about 90 to 100 pounds, had these two bumps on her head with this colors, you know, kind of this color scheme on the face. The name of that model was Gecko. That was the nickname to the trailer um, in the makeup trailer. That was the nickname amongst the other bounty hunter was Gecko the bounty hunter. That is not official from Disney, but I'm hoping that it sticks. Uh, I think it's pretty badass. Funny story with it. Um, I, I, and I, I'm not going to take credit, but I did have to suggest, and to be honest, some of the other bounty hunters did as well. I had a screen test after I got, I was in makeup and I was in my costume, Richard Apora, an amazing costume designer. He does Orville. He did some of the other uh, Star Wars projects as well. Um, it originally started with these geckos like bumps on the head. And I don't know if you guys have seen little Nikki with Kevin Nealon, but I'm going to tell you right now. They had me do the whole screen test. I had that moisture farm behind me, this really badass set. And I had the hood and everything. And I revealed myself. <laughs> and, I, and there was a little chuckle, I'm not going to lie, out of the other bounty hunters. <laughs> and I said, what's going on? They said, dude, I said, I'm not going to lie. They said, kind of looks a little bit like my like breasts right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I go. So I said, I'm Brian. I said, Brian. I said, I don't want to be like that meme guy to where it's like finally gets to Star Wars, has boobs on his head, right? <laughs> so, so Brian goes to David. David goes back to Brian. I said, hey, I said, you know, you guys do whatever you want. I'm just honored to be part of this. But six foot four, 260 pounds. I'm a big guy. You know, I could, I could make, you know, I could blow through a freaking door or a wall. So the first day on set, the following week, uh, he changed it to horns. And they look so freaking badass. And I'm so happy he did because... I don't know if I'd be uh, taking podcasts if that was the case. <laughs> or even telling you guys that was in the show. It, it literally, for a second, and it was so funny because even the body, it was like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where they kept looking at me. And uh, <laughs> we were making jokes among the other bounty hunters, like, you know, as part of a support group and be like, yeah, I got, I got boobs on my head. I'm a bounty hunter, you know. Uh, and we were having some fun with that. But I'll tell you, they turned it to horns. And man, what a look it is. And then, so with the mask, 
they originally took a photo of me without. And normally, you know, I guess a lot of Star Wars fans would say, oh, that'd be cool. You know, I, I even get to have my whole face. I didn't want to. I kind of like that Bane, badass yeah. kind of mask, yeah. you know, shows my eyes and the intensity of my eyes, even though my eyebrows are gone, I have a prosthetic over it. Um, but to have that mask. So I told Richard uh, right before I said, Richard, I said, they just took a photo of me and I'm ready to go on to, into the cantina for the first time. I said, do you, uh, is it cool if I get this mask? He said, definitely. So it's got these two tubes. It's kind of like this old school 1970s, you know, Air Force mask. And uh, it, it just looks really just about as bounty hunter as possible. They added a bandolier to it. I've got, uh, what do they call it? Gauntlets or uh, arm guards that just yeah. cover the forearm. Um, and you'll see that uh, predominantly in episode three there. And it really, uh, that was the other thing too. It's one thing to be in Star Wars. It's another thing. The first time that I heard an applause in the theater was 1983 in Return of the Jedi after Luke kicks everyone's ass on the skiff. Yes. And uh, <laughs> for me, that was the, you know, my, my, I got goosebumps. You know, I remember seeing it with my mom and my sister. And I'm hoping that's the same effect in many ways to have been part of that. I've done a lot of stunts in my career, uh, mostly been an actor, but at the same time, um, a lot of shows, just because I'm a big guy, they'll have me get punched around or beat around. And that really added to the complete Star Wars experience was to be able to have some action and something I can sink my teeth into. Even being the bad guy, I don't mind. Um, there was a funny Rudy Rudiger moment to where Rudy Rudiger, uh, you know, uh, Sean Astin played it so beautifully, says, you know, I've been waiting for this my whole life. And this, there's a stunt coordinator and he wanted me to kind of, he was asking me because I wasn't one of the stunt guys. He said, if you want to ease up on this and I'll tell you, and I think every Star Wars fan can relate. I, I told him, I said, I've been waiting for this my whole life. I don't care about the fall off the two-story of a building. To add <laughs> right. to the Star Wars energy, I'm going to give everything I have. I don't even care if I die out there. So um, I, I gave 110%. I, I broke my blaster a couple of times. Oh, um, but but uh, it, was, it was well worth it because there was nothing I wanted to hold back. I did not want to, you know, sometimes you see those really corny, cheesy deaths. And even in, there's even one in Star Wars I'm not crazy about. I think it was episode three during Order 66. This one woman, she kind of falls down and it's like oh, god, Ayla Sakura. Yep. Yep. yeah it was just like god that it just looks so staged and i said no way i'm, I'm flying you know um i also want to add one thing i'm sorry for just going off here but hey, there's no just so many things for star wars fans and how excited i've been i've had to kind of keep this in for a whole year um samuel jackson in episode one i believe that george lucas presented in front of him uh, a whole suitcase full of lightsabers well i was one of the first bounty hunters to get to the table to where I got to pick out my own blaster. Oh, man. And again, being 64, nice. 260 pounds. And even though it's going to be 15, 16 hour days, you're carrying this thing around like military. You know, you can't get rid of it, obviously. You know, they, God forbid you're liable for it. Um, but I picked the heaviest one. It had a paintball canister in the back, a curved dagger down by the mag. I hope that tons of cosplayers have a lot of fun. I wanted to put together a video maybe after episode one or three uh, to where I can tell everybody how they can look like Gecko. Um, but anyhow, I just wanted to share that with your listeners just because that was absolutely priceless, that experience for any Star Wars fan. Oh, totally, man. I'd, I'd be right there with you. I don't care. I just want to look the coolest. I don't care what I got to do to, uh, <laughs> lug it around the whole time. <laughs> so, Hey, we've heard a lot about this thing called the volume. So some sort of new type of technology that they use to like augment reality for the actors. Do you know anything about that from the, from your uh, time on set? <laughs> My first day on set, I was really blown away. Um, it's funny because there's actually a, a screenshot of Werner Herzog to where it looks like he's got some windows behind him. And I'll tell you, um, there is an LED screen. It's, it, there's about 270 degrees um, surrounding. So 
the great news for fans is literally instead of doing CGI with the um, the fake um, outer space, they can literally maybe put an X-wing or a land speeder or anything within that space. And I cannot, I don't have any vision problems. You can be 20 feet away, and if they show you a three-dimensional image on that screen, you are checking your eyes nonstop because it looks so real. And it, even with this Werner Herzog shot to where he's talking to Mando in the trailer, go watch it again after this. Um, that's actually not even, uh, a, a, there's no dimension to that. It's an LED screen. It looks like there's two rows of MIT guys where, I mean, it just is well beyond, you know, the future is here beyond belief. Um, and the great news is, on bad news as well, there's going to be less and less locations. They can literally shoot an entire show on two or three stages, which is what I believe they did. Um, but as far as the clarity for the, um, for the audience, I think uh, Favreau did this with uh, The Jungle Book. Um, it's going to look absolutely insane in terms of the special effects, not to mention the camera effects they can do in outer space or with, you know, chase scenes even in the middle of the desert uh, when they use this kind of technology. It, it was not, I, I didn't see anything like that. There was also a combination of some green screen as well, but uh, this LED screen is really uh, the future. The other thing is it's easier for actors as well because green screen, you're looking about 10 to 15 degrees hotter, which is tough in terms of your makeup. And then yeah. also your, you know, even though we need to create within our mind, to have actually the atmosphere right there, it makes it a lot more real for the actors. I'll bet you Ian McGregor will be happy about that. He always said it was hard to play against a green box, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, they're, they're flushing it out for you. And I'll tell you, like I said, there were certain parts where they were building part of the set and then other parts where it was a screen. It, it, you're not going to believe me, but I literally could not tell a difference and there's nothing wrong with my eyesight. That is how crystal clear it is. Wow. Even in person, imagine how it looks on screen to where you're not even there, but it'll, there won't, you won't even be able to tell. You've appeared on a couple of uh, different soap operas and stuff, and I've always imagined they have more of a, like a rushed schedule for the majority of those shows. So, and uh, oh, oh, you better play. My my mom, my mom. I, I got to say this. I, I, uh, my mom's a huge Days of Our Lives fan, so she was more geeked out that I was talking oh. to somebody who's been on Days of Our Lives than any of this Mando <laughs> yeah. Pando whatever stuff is. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you know certain things point out for other people. I've been really fortunate. You know, I've had a very successful career. I, if it ended tomorrow, I, I couldn't, you know, even though I'm not an A-list celebrity, I really cannot hang my head. I, you know, I've hustled. I have never given up. I'm what you call a blue collar actor to where, you know, we'll get a guest star and have a major contract for one or two days. I'm right back doing any odd job I can in order to support my family. Um, but it's been an amazing run and I've been very fortunate to land a, a good number of shows. Uh, I'm just very grateful now that it's kind of taking off. But to be honest with you, next year, I've been such a Star Wars fan. And if to spend a year to where I'll travel the world, most likely, and, and just be able to connect with something that touches people in such a positive way and to be able to touch people's lives in a positive way, to me, that is more gratifying right now. I mean, I, I'm probably going to book another 100 shows. But for me to, to be able to touch people's lives to where maybe I do a video call to a kid who's, you know, maybe sick in the hospital or, or perhaps somebody's birthday to where I can cheer them up. That gives me more gratification now than if I were to do another, you know, 10 to 20 shows over the next few years. So I'm really looking forward to branding this gecko and to being a part of the Star Wars universe. Awesome. I, I do have a question for you, too. Um, I, uh, so I'm, I'm like a low-level producer out here. I, I have a tiny production company. Um, worked on various things and shows. And one thing that and you probably experienced this as well that you can notice when you're on a set is uh, everyone, the crew, the cast, they can get like a general feeling of whether or not they're working on something that's great and awesome, or if everyone's there just to get a paycheck. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk about 
the atmosphere and the morale a little bit that you experienced mm-hmm. while you were there? I don't know if you guys are familiar with stories with James Cameron or Michael Bay. There was a lot of yelling, a lot of yelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was not the case. This was extremely professional. I cannot tell you uh, the professional and polite and friendly demeanor that John Favreau and David Filoni have. Um, it, what I call, I used to manage restaurants and, and wait tables as a survival job. There was a book where they gave us a direction in terms of managing called Constant Gentle Pressure. And you would feel the level of consistency. At the same time, they would leave it to their directors, whether it was uh, uh, Wakiti there or, or Deborah Chow, uh, to really take the helm. But the level of professionalism was second to none. I will also add, for the first time ever, I have never seen such beautiful diversity. It was the first time ever that I awesome. saw a first AD and a second AD that were both female. That was the first time. Uh, again, for me, I mean, I made the best person get the job, but in terms of diversity and the beauty, and not only that, you can feel like you, you, you took the words out of my mouth, that you can feel that you were part of something special. And just like the military, anybody who's a member, you know, whoever served, to where you don't want to be the last one that they're waiting on. And again, when you take pride in something, uh, you know, you, you do whatever it is that they ask. And, and that was the, the level of professionalism that we had on set and to be a part of that. And again, just a small sliver of the universe was such an honor for me. Um, because again, it kind of signifies if you work very hard, that good things happen. And when you surround yourself around professionals, um, it's amazing that the gratification that you feel. That's yeah, that's awesome. great. I, I appreciate what you said about the uh, diversity aspect too. I, there's there's a lot more female key crew members that are emerging these days. Uh, one of my yeah. one of my favorite first ads that I like to use is she's a tiny woman who is the nicest, sweetest girl in the world, but she can control a damn set. You know what I mean? She can be terrifying if she needs yes. to be. Even even like as a producer standing there, like I don't want to get in her way. (laughs) I mean, you you remind me, yeah, you remind me of something very important. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to track her down. There was a camera operator that literally would not be out of central casting in terms of if you were to think of a camera operator. So a woman, probably I want to say maybe a hundred pounds. She was probably in her early twenties, and uh, it's part of the you know the scenes where I, I had some screen time. She kept going, you know, kind of easing her hand to the left or to the right to get me in the shot. And again, for any Star Wars fan, to get that screenshot, um, and hopefully, you know, for in my situation, it'll be multiple. Um, I, I can't thank this woman enough because technically she didn't have to tell me how tight she was or how wide she was. And there were some close-ups with Carl to where, you know, the, the situation is going on to where she wanted to make sure that I was getting seen. And I, I, I'm going to track her down and, and see if I can at least get her dinner because that was uh, <laughs> the most amazing thing on earth. Uh, you know, again, like I said, for any star wars fan to to have as many screenshots as possible in our in our lifetime uh fantasy there is is really special yeah that's super that's super cool of her so i have a uh, few questions i've seen your uh star wars toy memorabilia collection that you have or had at one point um yeah. have you can have you continued to grow that throughout the years um okay uh <laughs> you know it, i i'd be lying if i didn't say that i was I, I slightly, before episode one, let's put it this way, I was very excited because it sort of relived childhood. And I was on Entertainment Tonight. I had a film I did with Miramax Films, and they uh, came to my closet, and I showed them my whole collection. And I was over overjoyed with the excitement of kind of reliving the childhood dreams there. Um, the prequels for me and, and also the future ones didn't necessarily have the profound effect it did for me as a child. When, when it was episode one, I was so on board in terms of, 
that midnight run and, and, and getting there with Toys R Us and, and you know, and, and, and kind of sharing in the joy of, of so many Generation Xers. Uh, over time, uh, every now and then I would get one for my kids, but not as much now. I do have a glass case. I have the Han Solo blaster and my favorite uh, pieces and icons, uh, Luke Skywalker uh, lightsaber. Um, I have a Lego Star Wars Galaxy, uh, um, <laughs> Star Wars Galaxy uh, with all the ships in my son's bedroom. Uh, so we kind of have this great bonding time each year where we will do one or two uh, each year. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it, it just kind of faded off uh, from the magic of childhood. But that episode one was very special for me because, when you know, there was such a, a, a gap. Sometimes I think when you have a gap in between collecting, it, it kind of rehashes a lot of the memories for me that are very important, which was about childhood and, again, family, uh, which, again, make the movies uh, very magical for me. But ultimately, uh, it, it's definitely faded over the years. But I, I still have the original 70-something from when I was a kid. My mother never threw them out, and I, will, I cherish them uh, until the day I die without question. Well, we know you're looking forward to at least one more action figure. So. Oh, my God. Please don't. <laughs> I got people... And it's so funny because now people on Twitter, you know, my Twitter, they're like tagging Hasbro. They're like, wink, wink. And there's this one kid. I, I don't know where. I don't know if he's from Tennessee or wherever. He literally created this really detailed uh, a character of me. And, and he did it. It's such an amazing job. If you go on my Twitter, you can see it. Yeah, um, but yeah, God willing. Uh, like I said, that will be the last of, of all I need. And like I said, whatever I can do, there's a, a two amazing groups. And I'm sure you gentlemen are very familiar with them the 501st, as well as the Mandalorian Mercs. Oh, they yeah. do a lot of good within their community. And really, like I said, as much as I'm excited to have the opportunity with the conventions, I'm, I'm equally as excited to see if we can make a difference, send a few autographs out. Um, if there's a, a charity where, you know, my autograph is able to earn a certain amount of money for a good cause. Uh, again, I can't tell you how grateful, how appreciative I am for this opportunity. And I know that other Star Wars fans, out of respect to them, to be able to have this gift that millions of star wars fans would dream of i feel like i owe it to them in terms of just trying to do the best i can to pay it forward um and not ask for a thing more in my life in terms of career wise just because this was absolutely beyond words are you uh, are you planning on going to star wars celebration next year at all whether as a fan or trying to uh go as like a, a guest or something like that I'm going to see what the momentum is with Disney and see how much this character takes off. You know, the original bounty hunter uh, uh, guys, I mean, you know, I don't know if they were in 1981 or 82, people were so high on Bosk or, or on uh, uh, Forlom or Zookas. So let, I just am curious to see, I think we're still climbing altitude. Of course, you know, the series hasn't released um, to where I want to just see where the popularity is. I may be on to, you know, back to my guest stars and co-stars on television, or uh, it could really flourish into something where, you know, I'm, I'm the center stage as far as the, the face of Bounty Hunters. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, regardless, I'm just here to support Disney and uh, all of the, the conventions around the world that will accept me. And there will be a draw into where I can make a difference and, and people are excited to see me. Uh, that uh, specifically is what I'm excited for. I think Disney's going to be focused on their major stars. Um, but if they happen to include me with that, it would just be beyond words, and, and uh, I, would, I would welcome it with open arms. Yeah, well, hopefully, we, man, hopefully this character takes off because we can use some more energy like this in, in the fandom and in the Star Wars family, man. A absolutely. And, and the other thing I wanted to say, um, you know, I know there's a big division right now, and I even kind of slightly admitted, you know, some things might, you know, I, I kind of fade in terms of interest, whether, you know, one movie is not great or one, you know, one may be amazing for you. I'm from New York, and... If you are familiar with baseball or football, you have, uh, the East Coast fans, whether it's Detroit, whether it is Chicago, New York, Boston, 
here's what I'm going to say, because I, I disagree with Freddie Prinz in terms of his comments uh, from about a month ago or so. You know, we can't live without our baseball teams. And if you listen to the New York media, I'm from New York. I'm a Met fan. You will hear all the trashing about this pitcher or this batter or, oh, my God, I can't believe he got injured or whatever. Well, there's something beautiful about that, because guess what? It means that we cannot live without that team. And it's the same thing I want to say just in regard to some of the negativity, not the sexism, not the racism. There is no place right. for that on earth. But for those that are passionate in terms of a storyline, I support you 100%, 10% in regards to the fact that I don't think that you are a bad fan. I think you love this series so much that you want to see it do well because it means so much to you. And it's just like George Lucas to tell him, and it's so heartbreaking to think that maybe he moved away because there was just so much negativity. But the fact that all the fans, even with some of the negative vibe, we love him so much and we care about the series so much that it's not necessarily just wanting to crap on everything. It's just the fact that we just, it means so much to us in all different ways. So for the people who love these future episodes and then the present episodes, et cetera, and for those, some who were there dislike them for one reason or another, I just want to say that I'm here to bring everybody together because I respect both passions, whether you love, you know, uh, The Last Jedi or whether, you know, it's, it's not your cup of tea. Awesome. I just want to hopefully be there to where I'm able to support everybody and, and have them bond together and say, hey, at the end of the day, those two words, star and wars, we are there uh, through thick and thin no matter what. That's a, really awesome. good, that's a really, really good point. And I think to some of what you said kind of went back to when J.J. Abrams was approached to direct episode seven, he had those kind of same fears about uh, the fandom, um, not necessarily because it was toxic, but because uh, he would have been taking on a legacy that's been kind of put to sleep for a, a decade, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I was, you can't yeah. make everybody happy is, is that's, that's a problem, you know, you can, you can, I, I was genuinely happy with JJ. I really thought there were some really amazing elements uh, that, that he brought to, uh, to the show there. And, and, and like I said, even with the last Jedi, you know, the other thing too, what I like to do as a star Wars fan is sometimes you take the good elements. I know there's a lot of talk in regards to the clones for some being the worst uh, for me. I mean, you know, even if the film as a whole may not be great, there are certain things that are more magical to me to watch on screen than to see any other film. I will watch Camino, that whole uh, oh, yeah. action sequence play out a million times. I'll watch the end of episode one a million times. I'll watch the, the brotherhood between you and what a brilliant actor and Hayden who did an amazing job. Again, that connection with family and brothers to where you're, I mean, tears come to your eyes in terms of the passion and the conviction that they had together. Um, you know, even if you don't necessarily love the film as a whole, we all have to agree that we love the universe. It's the coolest thing ever, whether it's the ships, the characters, the costumes, the, the blasters, the lightsabers. Um, and, and like I said, ultimately, the connection that it has to mythology, which helps us believe in ourselves and has inspired me in a million ways in terms of continually pursuing this career, not to mention the magic that is John Williams. I had the privilege of seeing him a couple months ago at the Hollywood Bowl, and I can't tell you how beautiful it was to hear so many thousands of people stand up and clap for him and just his appreciation of how much we love this man who has pulled us at our heartstrings in a million different ways uh, to bring us all together and, and make us feel the joy and the pain of, of, of all the parallels and things of life that we go through uh, through this beautiful poem that we call Star Wars. Well said. Um, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I, have, I have a question about a specific character from episode seven. I, I like, like, I'm like you. I like going into a movie and turning off my brain and just enjoying what's in front of me, especially when it comes to Star Wars. Um, hey, Wisdom, we, we, we got to return to that. Yep. 
Yeah, one one of my favorite characters that I that I would love to see explored more is Benicio del Toro's character in Episode Seven as the Codebreaker, the thief. Um, I thought that he right, brought that, that was eight Episode Eight. Yeah, that was Episode Eight. Oh yeah, yeah. Episode Eight. My bad. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Now Return of the, the Jedi. Last, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's been such a long it's been such a oh, long week. Yeah. <laughs> was he fine? Was he, uh... I might have had a stroke. Was he Dom. the guard like that or what? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, man, I've had like. Well, hold on. I just want to ask you about in episode four, New Hope, when Jar Jar Binks was on the moisture farm in Cloud City. First of all, <laughs> yes. he was a Vulcan. <laughs> yes. He was a Vulcan, and uh, he was fighting yeah. Baltimore. We got it. <laughs> No, sorry. I've had like three shoots in the last five days. So my brain, my brain is fried. Um, but uh, yeah, his character as the codebreaker thief, he kind of brought. He he revealed a lot of things as you know. People are selling to the good guys and the bad. You know, he we thought he was a good guy, then he turned to the bad guy. I thought his character was super interesting. I'm hoping to see more of him. I was I was just wondering if 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 you liked his character or um, what would be your favorite character out of that film or the or the entire. Uh, universe whether it's books movies gecko gecko is well, my new favorite well yeah 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 it's gecko <laughs> uh end of story no um i'll tell you i'll never forget 1995 and having that experience well one of my idols as an italian american was Chaz palmateri who starred in usual suspects but i will never forget the coolness of benicio del toro in that film in regards to just i mean when they were doing the lineup and he says give me the keys you know f and f and you know he just was so damn cool um, I think the issue is sometimes with that, I think you bring up a good point in terms of uh, switching horses uh, in between a, a race. Um, I, I think uh, it would have played out perfectly, even from maybe uh, drawing him back to seven. But I think that might be sort of a casualty in what happens when you change from one director to the next and now back to the next director. Um, without question. I mean, he's just one of the coolest cats on earth. Um, but to answer your question in regard to favorite characters, it's always been a toss up between the alpha and the amazing charisma of Harrison Ford, who is my childhood idol in a million different ways, whether it's Jack Ryan, Indiana Jones, uh, Han Solo. This goes back to why actors are so darn important. I don't care what universe you have. You can be, be the coolest universe on earth. If you do not have the actors with the conviction and the care. I did uh, this B movie uh, last year. It was starring opposite Michael Madsen. Uh, it was a cheesy film called Megalodon for yes. Sci-Fi Channel. I started it, right? I, I oh, had some questions about way, that. I said, <laughs> oh jesus christ please don't but anyhow I mean, if you're gonna even stuff, try to stuff in a hundred million dollars into a fifty thousand dollar film no matter what from start to finish i'm gonna give you the conviction that i can to try to bring this movie to life and to me that's what harrison ford did we ignore that in terms of why star wars is so special he made it real the fact that his sense of urgency was so up when we were kids we believed what was going on on screen and that's what actors need to do it can't just be oh you didn't like us because of this or that no you need to come and you need to bring it i've been critiqued a million different times whether you know it's a guest star or co-star or maybe it's just forgettable because it's just not a great movie it's not a great script it may not be a great tv show that's on me i i get paid to entertain you i'm not here to tell you oh i don't agree with your opinion uh, because you don't like italian american big burly men it's just you know it is what it is but you need to bring that conviction. Harrison Ford did that for me. But as far as the fantasy galaxy world, I mean, what kid did not love a jetpack? And Boba Fett was the most awesome thing on earth as far as to collect as a toy. So you could have just said Harrison Ford, and I think a couple of us here probably just would have said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, he was great. Um, I do. There was one question about Mega Lowdown that I really, <laughs> that, I, that I really did like. I don't know who whose question it was. Um, yeah. But it was it was about when you, when you're given that speech. I'm I'm sorry. Oh, I'm that's okay. Just take my question. Um, did, did, yeah. Oh, do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Chad. Go ahead, Chad. So Ask as Mega Lowdown, um, and you give an amazing. <laughs> you oh my give god! An amazing speech in that film. <laughs> um, I, my question is, how many times did you watch Bill Pullman's speech from Independence Day before taping that? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I I love I love Pullman. As a matter of fact, I had a really good experience with that film. That was the reason why we go to theater. It was until it was around the Fourth of July. And I remember seeing that where you everyone just bought into it in the theater. And I always love when the Star Wars uh, theater is packed with fans who are just passionate about loving the film, going along with everything, no matter how insane it is. Uh, for me as an actor, I got to be honest, uh, even though there might have been parallels in terms and, and that's how they wrote it, kind of the hero speech, similar to Pullman. You cannot think of another actor when you're performing. Otherwise, it's going to be crap. You need It needs to come from here. What I was thinking of, my grandfather was a World War II veteran at Utah Beach. And it was just in terms of the pride that I have in terms of being an American, um, you know, and being a, a proud Italian American to to be able to to come from the blood of somebody who you know uh, defeated the Nazis. Um, it, it, that to me just meant uh, so much. So that's what I was thinking of in pulling from. As an actor, you need to personalize; otherwise, it's just going to lay flat. If I start thinking about Harrison Ford as much as I love him, it, there's nothing there. Um, but thank you. I, I appreciate the compliment. I, I'm obviously aware when. Asylum films freaking our Spider-Man versus Tarantula Girl, you know, and it's freaking like the most ridiculous thing. And Michael Madsen, what the hell? You know, look, if a film sucks, it's like, it, you know, if it's going to be good or it's, it's going to be low budget, at least show up and care about what the hell you're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, <laughs> uh, for me, that's, and it's also sort of a, um, it's sort of a, a symbol of the fact that I just love to work. And as some Sometimes, you know, we're in Star Wars. Other times you might have a couple of lines on one show or the other. But again, it goes back to just being a blue collar actor and being a working man's actor to where I just take what, what the offers I get. I'm not one of these little diva actors. I have some friends who are like, oh, no, hold out for this script or hold out for that. I will tell you, I'm part of a, I star in a sociological thriller next year that I stand behind 110%. It's called Anonymous Killers. And it's an amazing study on society, whether you agree with the director's opinions or not. Uh, but definitely, please keep an eye out. Uh, I stars Romero Scarinelli in this film that is just, I think, is really going to floor people in many ways. Okay. Now, according awesome. to your IMDb, it looks like you, you have a role coming up in uh, Birds of Prey. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, uh, a little uh, little one-on-one uh, -on -one there uh, briefly with, uh, with Robbie and excited for that in February. But again, I, it's just, I think if you were to put uh, any Star Wars fan uh, you know, into my shoes, which is what I am. I, I just can't think about anything else right now. And oh, it's so funny because I, you know, normally it's like in terms of anonymous killers, as far as the legitimate route, and also the guest star coming up on 911, which is a really popular <laughs> show. I got a new guest star coming up on Deputy, uh, which stars Stephen Dorff on Fox. Uh, the career is going great, but I literally have just stopped everything, and I have returned to being a ten-year-old child for the last 72 hours. And I hope that all of you can relate because it just is literally, I'm just beyond words. I, I don't even, it, it's like, I remember, uh, what was it like, uh, there was one scene where there was like this, um, you know, it was like this whole shootout, but somebody's like freaking out where they're just walking from one place to the other and they have no idea what they're doing. It's like, that's how I've been the last 72 hours just in terms of uh, 
I'm like, I don't what do I, wait, do I have to work still? I have no idea what's going on. You're just R2 D2 so, and C3PO wandering around at the beginning of a new hope. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's, that's that's Dominic right now. Dominic Gecko, the bounty hunter. So. so 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 Mr. Dominic, um you said you said something that's that's really cool. Um because I work with a lot of actors too, and a lot of people don't understand that a lot of actors a lot of people think that actors lie. It's, it's more of like finding the truth, you know what I mean, in terms of what you're doing. You're trying to find the truth in the scene, the truth in your character. You're not you're not lying, you're 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 trying to find the truth for your character. Um you had said earlier that your character um temporarily named as Gecko. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't let women or children or whatever in the way. So where did you find your truth <laughs> in uh, murdering children and, and stuff like that? You know, you know where I'm going. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. I, I see what you mean. Um, that's a very good point. Yeah, you don't need to kill somebody in order to be a killer. Come on. No, no, no. Uh, it, it really, I mean, you could still find your level of, of being unapologetic. I, I get cut off right now by some a-hole on, on L.A., and you guys have been there, too in terms of road rage, your eyes right here are unapologetic. You are not going to back down to this person who just freaking cut you off. You've got your kids in the back. He could have hurt them. So bottom line, I mean, you're able to connect with things that don't necessarily have to do with killing somebody literally, but it can do with the fact that where your mind can turn completely 180 and you are unapologetic and you do not care. I will tell you something else as well. Being in this business for 25 years, there is so much rejection in regards to not getting the part. When you have that opportunity, you know, I hate to be a cliche in terms of the Eminem, uh, you know, uh, uh, lose yourself, but you will do everything you can to make sure that you are, are not holding back one bit because there are a million times to where you've had to wait tables or, or drive, you know, a taxi or work for a moving company in a hundred degree hot box. That chance that I tell you after so many years, when you have that opportunity, I can guarantee you, just like, uh, you know, if somebody you see in boot camp to after the second or third week, you're going to realize that how hard they climb because their 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 guy is on them. You know, it's the same thing, uh, unless literally you're a masochist and you just want to work at uh, Walmart the rest of your life. You will it, you will get it out of you in terms of the pain. If you watch the Joker, the pain that life does to you, even just as a normal working man, uh, <laughs> when you get that opportunity, you're going to go ahead and turn it on. I I, I, I yeah, wow, that was really well said, man. Uh, really appreciate. It. I, I understand what you said, especially about LA traffic. I, I, took, <laughs> I took the 405 to El Segundo a couple of days ago, and um, yeah, the apo- unapologetic was tame <laughs> compared to how I was feeling that day. Uh, so it's you know, very cool. And it's funny when you get old. It, you know, my mother, it's so funny. You know, she 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 always has this thing where I don't care. And when you get older, you know, you hear. It's great to hear, like, even Clint Eastwood movies, because it's like, he does not care. You know, like, you see the mule. It's like, he just does not care about the political correctness. He doesn't care who he offends. You always have that uncle who where they have zero filter. Well, the beautiful thing about growing as an actor, especially a male actor, is that you just have zero filter as you get older. And when you get in that room, I remember <laughs> when I was 23 years old, I'd be up for a guest star, I'd be shaking. Oh, my God, I wonder what they think of me. Now it's just like, I turn it on just like that. And, and that's why, I mean, you see an IMDb, We've been working a lot more frequently because there is no uh, there is no little uh, uh, eighty percent or sixty percent. Hundred and ten, man. All right, we I got one more question for you. Uh, we like to ask everybody we have on the show. What are your predictions for episode nine? Oh. Well, I'll tell you what I would not like. I, I would not like anything like Dallas, the series Dallas, where all of a sudden it's like you just oh, wake up. It was all a dream. Oh, <laughs> Car- you know, 
Leia was Luke's brother's sister all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that shit goes down. I swear to God, I'm gonna freaking like I got my kids in the freaking audience. I swear to God, I'm gonna take some popcorn and throw it. If they get crazy with the freaking like, oh, it's a force ghost, but it's Ray is actually the emperor in Luke's body that's coming out of Darth Vader's penis. I will fucking show you. I just want to see. I just want to see a natural closure. I want to tear up with C-3PO a little bit. You know, I just want it to be organic. I do not want any of these far-fetched things to where we, we as like diehard fans are like freaking the hell out because it just doesn't make any freaking sense. You know, um, I would love to see her surrounded by all the force ghosts, including Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Anakin, uh, Ewan. I think that would be really, really powerful. Um, but again, just to go back to why Star Wars was special, believing in yourself, the mythology, the battle that we have between good and evil each and every freaking day. But to have that to where it's just the balance and what made Star Wars special. Stop with all this little intricacy of, of where we're just going to start overthinking it. Keep it simple. Just like as an actor, keep it simple. Keep it direct. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I don't want to see you. Awesome. Well said, man. <laughs> Dominic, I, you got. I don't know if kids are listening to this. Just play. Yeah, if you record it, just make about the. Uh, I, I, the I, I, there. I, I, have, I have one more question. It's not Star Wars related. It's baseball related. I, uh, I grew up playing baseball. I know you're a Mets fan, and it seems like you have some yeah. uh, people in home that are Dodgers fans. I um, I grew up on the East Coast as well, but I kind of adapt and you know adopt cultures as I move. I've been out here since 2012, and I've come to love the Dodgers. So uh, when the Dodgers are playing the Mets in your home, what is, uh, is there, is there like a friendly feud going on? Like what, what's, what's happening? Uh, I got to tell you, I, you know, that's why in terms of giving back next year, I got blessed with two of the most amazing sons you can imagine. They're 14 and 11. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm heading out now to go see my son in a play. I got so blessed. Uh, it's, it doesn't come down to that. The magic and the memories that I have with my sons of the games is literally just priceless. And I cherish every moment where they still need dad. They're, my older ones get to that age to where now all of a sudden they kind of start fading off, you know, and, and any normal teenage boy does. Um, but for me, it's just really the joy of being around these boys. And I, I hope one day you can meet them because they're just so well-behaved, um, just so sturdy in terms of whether, you know, it's their conviction with sports or with school. Um, I, I, I've never had to even raise my voice even once. They're just so incredibly obedient and they, they hold themselves accountable um, but my point is, it's just, I, I, I take a back seat to watching my son cheer at a Cody Bellinger home run. And he's the, he's one of the most amazing kids. And to have, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about love. That's what I, I always keep saying now and why I want to just continue to give back. And the love that I have for my sons and that experience, the baseball game, I, I can, you know, a quote would be, I can't tell you the score of the game, but I can always tell you who I was with. So always remember that if you're with your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, your grandfather, which was to me the most a touching thing. I was 10 years old in 86. Um, but that's what baseball's about. And that's what, you know, what brings us all together. So it doesn't matter who wins. It's just being with your loved ones. You, you realize it's impossible to not like you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, you know, when you have so many odd jobs, you know, there is no diva BS attitude with so many pretentious, you know, vegan, gluten-free, uh, you know, Hollywood types. We're just real. Uh, and like I said, I, I couldn't be more grateful. And, and, and please hold me to my word over the next so many years, whatever I can do uh, for your fans and for, for people that are supporting, 
you know, my little dream here, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. So I, I appreciate you guys so much. And I appreciate the fan base. For the first time ever, I really felt the love over the last few days of just how this brings people together. Even like I said, you love Star Wars episode, one episode, or you hate it. Uh, I love everybody. So, so thank you guys for, for all your support. Yeah, Dominic, you, you are you. just the, you. you're just the shot of just energy and awesome charisma and just uh, man, this is what the fan, like I said earlier, this is what the fandom needs. So this is it was a good day for Star Wars in general when uh, they decided to to give you this part. I, it's so funny. I was holding my breath when I released that the video. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but just uh, you know, talking about my childhood um, that you know I have it on my Facebook page. Uh, and Disney hasn't called. I was afraid for a minute that they'd be like, dude, what, what, what are you doing, man? We got to, you know, we got to bring this back. But uh, nobody's called. And I'd like to believe that they um, agree the same way that, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a kid at heart. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of their, their journey there. So hopefully that will continue on and Disney will be there to support me even <laughs> for uh, hopefully the celebrations will have me included there. Yeah, and if that they kind have of some a... extra tickets, if they have some extra tickets to, uh, I can avoid a thousand dollars for the family of four. I'll take that as well. <laughs> the hell, you want thousand dollars for Christ's sake? Disney, if you're listening, we know. It. No, they don't listen to us. But man, <laughs> if somebody's listening who can talk to somebody at Disney, get this man some celebration tickets. What was that girl's name, Maria? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah. What was her name? We do know somebody, and I've I've done videos and stuff for Disney too. Yeah, maybe maybe I can pull some strings, Casey. Pull but, some but strings. Do, but Dominic, oh yeah, um, make some phone calls. Come on, Dominic. Uh, have Josh give me your contact info. Uh, it's been super busy here, and if I have something that comes up soon that uh, that I feel like you'd be a good fit for, I'll I'll reach out to you and see if you're interested in doing. Obviously, we always pay. I tend to like to do checks the day of too. I, I hate mailing checks, so. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then like I, I have four representatives right now with all the uh, the cons. Uh, so if anyone, you know, like I said, they're, they want to see me and then have me out there. I, I'd love to meet everybody there. It'd be great to uh, to come out and see you guys as well. Awesome. Well, Dominic, where can uh, if you want to shout out some of your social medias where anybody can follow you? Absolutely. Just search uh, Dominic Pace on Twitter, uh, Facebook and Instagram. And like I said, really fan friendly. Uh, happy to interact with all the fans and, and all good stuff. There's no, you're not going to see any politics, any social drama, none of that. It just, we're here to celebrate. We're here to return to the Back to the Future, to Star Wars, to Indiana Jones, and just bring film back to the way it was supposed to be, where you get to the film and you escape. <laughs> I don't care what walk of life you're from. You need to escape just like anyone else. And I'm just so honored to be an actor for that reason. If you hear any political voice out of me at all, please come to LA and punch me in the face. Hey, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm already here. I told you I live in the Valley. <laughs> oh, there you go. If you see one political post, go punch me in the face. Awesome. I'm here to make everyone happy and just entertain. And that's, that's the joy of, of why I chose to do what I, I've done. Awesome, man. Dominic, thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we can get a chance to talk to you yeah, again someday. Good. Maybe uh, catch up with you after the Mandalorian comes out and you're a big success. And <laughs> Gecko is uh, the newest hot toy and Funko Pop. And, 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 he, and he doesn't have boobs on his head. Right. No boobs right. on the head, please, everybody. Oh, my God. I don't want to be bullied the rest of my life, man. I'll be, oh, Jesus, Christmas. <laughs> I mean, not for an off-color joke, but then Kelly Tran would be happy because everyone's going to bully me. 
and, and, God, and, and like I said, for any of the fans who ever do that, that it's, there is no excuse whatsoever. You know, whether you're happy with a performance or not, or whether you think a character is real or not, there is no place for that whatsoever. Um, you know, and they should be automatically blocked. And God bless her for, for what she's had to endure. It, that's not right at all. So all our support and our love for her. She's, you know, an amazing talent. And I and, uh, wish her all the best uh, with episode nine there as well. I'll tell you what, we were, a few of us were at, uh, Casey, myself, Chad, our other buddy, Sean, that's on here. We were at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago and the reception that Kelly Marie Tran got when she came out on stage and the reception that Ahmed Best got when he was out on the main floor and out on stage was just awesome to feel. That's, that's what Star Wars is all about. Just the enormous positivity you feel there. Without question. That's what we go back to no matter what. We love it, and we cannot live without Star Wars and, and how grateful we are to be in a lifetime to where we've been able to experience such a beautiful series. Awesome. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, to live in a lifetime where Dominic Pace is alive. You've been so cool on this podcast. I, like, oh, we got to get to we got to get some beers. we got to get some beers. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, I, I, I live in Sherman Oaks, man. Done. Done. Go ahead and email me. We got We got this. All right. Yeah. No. Awesome. I, even, like even like even if we had like Harrison Ford or George Lucas on, <laughs> I don't think that they would be as exciting of a of a guest as you, just with your energy and your positivity and everything you have to say. Um, oh man. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I, I met I Ford was my idol, and I had the pleasure to meet him. But I, you know, and I don't want to say I wish that I didn't, but he's just so low key um, that that it just was like, oh man, I wish that didn't happen. You know, because he's just uh, <laughs> he's just a mellow guy. But, I mean, it doesn't matter because he's, again, just one of the greatest gifts of an actor that I've ever seen. Well, let me tell you what. You are, like Casey said, you are just shattering all expectations. They say, you know, like in terms of that, never meet your heroes. And that's one of the, uh, I think that's one of the underlying tones of episode eight is never meet your heroes. But you're, uh, I mean, you're a hero to, you know, to all of us guys. You are the Star Wars fan that got in and you're part of Star Wars now. And... Thank you so much for coming on here. I am very happy to have met you. Thank you so much, guys. And again, all my best to all your listeners and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. <laughs> How cool was Dominic? Yeah, I loved his take on just the Star Wars fandom because you always hear about how toxic it is and how we're always complaining about everything, but he just, you know, it is because we're so passionate about it and how much we love it. I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, I, I, everything he said was spot on yeah you know what i mean Um, yeah and then and then again when you asked him you know about the baseball fandoms like mets versus dodgers or something he's like yeah you know that's not even what it's about i don't know i know that was was so cool i I wasn't even like i wasn't even trying to like go for anything like that it was more so just like because you know my uh back in the day i i you know i grew up uh, hanging out with my grandma she was a braves fan and maybe i liked the cubs or something because I, i loved greg maddox and there was, always, there was always a friendly rivalry. Um, that's right. all I was talking about. Like, I, I'm not assuming that he's, like, throwing his kids out the window. All right. <laughs> no, but, but even um, to just, like, what you said, what you remember about that is, like, you and your grandma, just, like, who exactly. you're with. Exactly. And you know what? That's something that I didn't think about until just now. Um, very, very profound. Very, very thoughtful and intelligent human being. Yeah, yeah. That was such a cool quote. Like, you may not remember who wins, but you remember who you were with. That. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's that's kind of why. So I made it a point to in each of the new Star Wars movies that every time the new Star Wars movie you know starts up, uh, Hannah Hannah's right next. My wife's right next to me, and 
the first time she just like held my hand for the force awakens she just looked over at me and she's like i know how excited you are for this and she just <laughs> held my hand so now every single star wars movie at the beginning of the star wars movies when we go to the premiere uh our first showing you know she holds my hand and it, it that's what it's about man it's about the connections and it's about the people you're around that's why i'm pumped casey you're coming back for yeah. saga day yeah. because that's, well that, yeah that's, that's one thing i was going to mention too is like you remember who you're there with yeah and i made a promise a long time ago that I would be there for the end of the Skywalker saga. My plane tickets are booked. I land on the 17th. I leave the 22nd. And you know what? I'm going to be holding your other hand. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have Hannah on my right, Casey on my left. Oh, man. We'll have, we'll have Sean. Uh, no matter what, if we have to rent a van, drive down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, throw a bag over Tim Q's face and drive him back up. Oh, uh, man. I, you know Q, what? you can hold on to me too. You can't hold on to my hands, but you can hold on to me. You well, can hold on to me. So Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, it depends, <laughs> it depends if Josh brings a cowboy hat or not. Yeah, you never yeah. I will I'll leave cowboy the cowboy hat. I'll leave the cowboy hat at home for you, Tim Q. I'll leave the cowboy hat at home, okay? I don't know, boy. Any of them. Yeah, Chad's I, confused. Know. Chad's confused. Rich, you got to tell him. As are all of our listeners. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll go through this on uh, towards the end. Um, <laughs> for the old patreon it'll, it'll be on the patreon yeah yeah it'll okay. be on the patreon but um we have yeah, a patreon i think it's i think it's gonna be an emotional type experience um at least for those of us that are there <clears throat> but um <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if i if if at one point in time i shed a tear i don't remember the last time it was besides no it was episode three it was episode three you guys saw it before me that we had all seen a star wars movie for the first time together in a yeah. cinema especially has it happened i don't even I don't, know if it's happened i don't know that all of us have seen one together ever. i don't think so either well i mean like like <coughs> thank you uh, uh, again <laughs> thank you but, uh, you know what i mean um just to i i just think that's going to be a an important moment now chad you're going to be there too right but no. we're going to duct tape <laughs> we're going to duct tape your mouth shut i i i couldn't wait that long i'm at the six o'clock show now well, I, I'm going to message you and tell you all about it. Why don't you go with everybody who's going? Well, see, cause I'm in the same boat, but with different people that aren't on here. So like all my friends and I have seen all of them together, the first showing on that Thursday night. And uh, this is our last time. Oh, look at this hot shot with more than one friend. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> all of my friends, not you guys. Yeah, you know, no. not my, these acquaintances. T Tim Q can count his friends with his penis. <laughs> <laughs> and I frequently do. <laughs> oh, oh man! No, but Chad, what I'm saying is, I, I have an extra. I have another ticket for you if you want to come and join us. But we will gag you first. All right, guys, about to pull up the uh, the trailer for the the new trailer for the Mandalorian. Have you guys seen this yet? I may have watched it. I have a couple times. <laughs> All right, can you guys can you guys see it? You ready? I'm ready. Indeed. All right, give me a thumbs up when I started if you can hear it. Here we go. It's a world more peaceful since the revolution. It is a shame that your people suffered.
Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. They said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? All right, so going through, starting at the beginning, we get uh, we see that same shot we saw with all the helmets covered in sand, desert planet, helmets on, spikes. There may be heads in there. We don't know. Now, see, this is interesting to me. I thought he said, is the world more peaceful since the revolution? No, he said it is. But he's, but he's saying it is, and that changes it for me. I, it, I actually He does cool. say it is? I thought, he said su- it, I thought he said it is it. Well, the I captions, heard it is. The captions yeah. say it is. Yeah, it like is, is more peaceful. Hold on, let's listen. But I thought it was is it. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? I think, See, I thought it was is the world, but this is saying it's a Yeah, world. but I think that's just automatic captioning. I don't it's think so. A, For major trailers, I think I, they have control over their stuff. I bet Disney would put legit mm-hmm. captions on their stuff. Yeah, they're they pretty have, good with that. They would have control over their subtitles at that point. All right. I'm still, I'm still going to say my right, personal let's opinion. Let's listen one more time. Let's listen one more time. My I, personal – I think it's I just think it's, his accent. I think it's – it's uh, if you listen uh, to it. It doesn't make any sense in the context he, of what he's he saying. Does he it say a or the? Because that might make the difference to me. All right. Here, here we go. Let's just listen one more time. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? Is the world? No, I heard. I heard it's a. He, 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 it's it's it was it, the second word is definitely an a like uh. uh I want him to say it would, it would, it is say, the world, but it he's saying say, it's a. It wouldn't say is a world more peaceful since the revolution. It's it's a. It's a it's world that doesn't make any sense though. It's a world more peaceful. Or, yeah, but it does. It makes sense. Is but is the world more peaceful since the revolution makes more sense, especially he's no, an does. imperial. Yeah, but think of, think of the context of what he keep reading what he says. Like it makes sense if he says it's a world more peaceful since the revolution. I'm sorry what happened to your people, but I don't really give a shit. That's kind of what he's saying. Hmm. All right, in this it next shot, in this next shot, we see uh I think they're called blur, blurgs. They look like dewbacks to me. Oh, uh, yeah, I thought they were dewbacks too. Maybe I was wrong. No, they're think, they're yeah. they're definitely um, they're they're bl- I believe they're blurgs. Hold on, let's see. Um, blurg, blurgs. Star Wars, Clone Wars. They're from originally from. Here we go. Boom, that's them. Uh, 
Blurgs were two-legged, non-sentient species that were used as beasts of burden on a number of worlds located across the galaxy, including Endor and Ryloth. So they were a first in the uh, the Ewok movies, um, <laughs> Battle for the Moon of Endor or whatever it was. Are they? Yeah, that's where they originated from. <laughs> and then they were also in Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, on tw- uh, The Twi'leks were riding them on Ryloth. I don't remember these things in the Ewok movies at all. I, it's been so long since I watched it, but yeah, dude, that's... I own them on DVD, man. I watch them every other day. No, so we kidding. see, we see wild. two people you riding. Have a DVD player? <laughs> Hell yeah, man! So it's <laughs> actually to that physical media. I love it. We see it is a uh, it's the Mandalorian. It looks like on the on the back one, and it's an the Ugnot creature on the front. So okay. it's a shame that your people suffered. All right, we see the Mandalorian looking around here, and this, this is that battle that we got that that uh, screenshot from uh, Vanity Fair, I believe it was him fighting two Trandoshans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, do you guys remember the controversy around that? That people were saying it was, uh, they thought they looked fake in that in that uh, that photo. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, there was there was a bunch of people that said that they they really didn't like the way it looked and they looked fake. But so you, when you watch everybody, when you watch this trailer, you see how it's lit in this. And then if you go back and you look at the, the photo from the Vanity Fair, it's like, it's before they put like the lighting effects and stuff in. So it looks, it looks a whole lot better basically. Yeah. Okay. So him taking on two trained oceans. And then we see giant, in this a giant dust cloud. <laughs> well, this is uh, his personal uh, carbon freezing tra- chamber. Where I think they they revealed that uh, the Razor's Crest, which I believe is his ship's name, has a carbon freezing chamber on board. So this is somebody just getting sprayed in the face with some carbonite. Yep, that would make sense. So carbonite's still a thing. They're still using. Oh, look at that expression on his face. He's not happy about it. Who who'd want who'd want the carbon on their teeth though? (laughs) Wouldn't that like? You ever take a bite into old ice cream or cold ice cream? Like, wouldn't that like? Oh, wouldn't that hurt? You gotta hope that this guy doesn't have any cavities. It's gotta be. But if you if you go back (laughs) if you expand to the full shot, Josh, there's there are rows of carbonite chambers. Yeah, there's like four of them. There's at least four of them there. Why is the second one not lit up, though? He died, probably. He didn't survive the freezing. Uh, Could be. That's my guess. One of them's... That, that's just my gut feeling, is one of them doesn't survive. Well, if oh, you look, two of them aren't shot, lit up. If, if, yeah, if you look at this shot, see, like... Uh, oh, they're well, blinking. They're flashing. They're yeah. flashing. Okay. Or they're all dying one by one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just keep pausing it, and it fooled me. So we see here's the Mando walking away in the background. I believe... Yeah. Yeah. We see him pushing a bunch of these or being followed by him in one of the shots here coming up. There's the Razor Crest flying over. Razor Crest, uh, people are saying this was spotted in the trailer for episode nine. Yeah, I remember going through that with when we did the breakdown. Interesting, it would be. So the next shot we see with the Razor Crest landed. Here's uh, three of the carbon slabs floating outside the ship and yeah, there's another one coming down the ramp i think i zooming in like that 
to look at stuff, my man. There he is. No, not yet. There, well, here, here's the uh, A Cantina. Now, there's he kept seeing A Cantina, and I wanted to ask him, but I didn't want to be like, hey, tell me something that you probably can't tell me because they haven't explicitly come out and said this, but speculation is it's the Cantina from A New Hope. That'd be great. Which... How much cooler would that be? I mean, you're already in you're in Star Wars. You're being immortalized as a character. And then to have it be a classic set like that. Oh, it's gotta be a dream come true. Um, do you think the same band is still there? Do 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 yeah. Big Rindan and the uh, modal nodes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you think do you think the guy is still there telling people that he doesn't like him? Woo her? Probably. This doesn't have an arm at this point, but he still does it. <laughs> Interesting. Well, no, the oh that um oh you're talking about um oh what were their names I now? The death sentence on Vulcan skulls. No, I'll it's, be careful. Uh, you'll be dead. <laughs> now, what were their names? Is Doctor Epizan and Oh man, I, I thought you were talking about the bartender who said we don't serve your kind here. Why? Why would I say that? Why? Why would that even be close to the reference of what I just said? No, when you said I wonder, cantina, yeah. I wonder if that guy's right, but, still but there. Said, when I said like, uh, if the guy that says I don't like you is still there. No, just as soon as you said, uh, I wonder if that guy, as I would just automatically started thinking uh, about the bartender. Yeah, my my audio might have cut off or something. No, the I, do you guys know why he uh, in canon why he said that we don't serve the droids here. No, because he was racist. Well, kind of, because he grew up during the Clone Wars and battle droids slaughtered his entire family. I, my God, the fact that people write that shit drives <laughs> me nuts. I cannot, I cannot stand some Star Wars fans sometimes. Like, well, oh, we need a reason for that, an emotional one. Too. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, 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 it makes sense in the timeline. It makes sense, man. That's great. But did we need it? Does it actually, like, help anything? It's just, this is Chad is bullshit that Chad I Chad is that guy. Chad is that guy I was talking about in the last podcast. Well, well <laughs> it makes, well, I mean, it, it, makes, it makes the universe more real and more deep. You know, everybody's been affected by these things in the past. It would make sense. That, like, you know what I mean? That's, it's a prominent line. You know, we don't serve your kind here. If, yeah, if, draw there's it a, in. if there's a realistic canonized reason for it, why, why, not? why not? I guess. I mean, we're just slowly breaking down racism with every character as we go. I Fine. Well, like, we don't need to, though. All right. We see some sort of an alien here. We just get a very quick shot of him. Does he have a mouth? No, he almost has like a snout, looks like. Oh, interesting. I, I don't know the species. Young Snoke. Mm. <laughs> the bartender <laughs> lets that guy in because that guy tried to save his family. So, so. <laughs> that's so up front here in this shot, we got a blonde chick with some awesome red armor. <laughs> we have a Cree. Thanks, Tim uh, <laughs> it, like, it looks like a Cree. And then we see right behind there. Right behind that, in between the two in the foreground, is Gecko. There he is. Yep, Immortant Joe from Mad Max. There he is. Oh, played by, played by Dominic Pace. That's not what I pictured when he said horns, but yeah, that's that's a cool. 
Yeah, it looks like they've almost been like busted off. There's like four of them. I was picturing two. I, I pictured like devil horns. I'll show you. Uh, I'll show you. I'll show you guys a picture after this of of, of Dominic's character, like uh, the renditions that they've drawn and stuff for him. Okay. Do you guys think this is the cantina? It. Lo- I mean. I mean, it has to be, right? It looks like. It looks like it is. People are standing around talking. There doesn't appear to be. The, the cantina interest, seemed so. smaller to me in A New Hope. The, this I mean, this the, room looks big. We might just be seeing another angle of it. You know what I mean? Could be. Could be. It just looks a lot bigger to me. Maybe it's the next room. All right. Door sliding open. And there's at least four stormtroopers here. Now, something to take note of is these stormtroopers, their outfits are not clean. They're not pristine. You can tell that uh, they've been through it. They've been through it. They're still going through it. So, so is the first order, or is like the the empire still like trying to cling to something? The people who are, you know, sim- either sympathizers or hardcore military people, whether or not they're brainwashed. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> those. I, okay, and so in the canon novel um, Alphabet Squadron, um, they talk about after Endor and a few years later, um, there were more battles. There was a battle of Jakku, and after that more and more Imperials started defecting and surrendering and they would send them to like these camps, like defection camps where they were basically interviewed and everything to make sure they still weren't a threat. And there was actually quite a bit of terrorism going on and stuff there. Like there would be Imperials that were still loyal. Like obviously these guys are that would go to these defection camps and they were like suicide bombers trying to take out as much defect as many defectors as they could. So these are the guys that are still loyal. These are the true believers and uh, a lot of like the mo- like that's what uh, um, Giancarlo Esposito's character is in this. He was a moth, moth Gideon, and he is like he's basically declared himself as like the irreparable um, leader. He is like the dictator of this this sector, and these guys are still loyal to him. Cool. And then we have oh, what's his name? I'm having Varner a brain fart. Herzog. Are, these, Herzog. are these the are these the windows that Dominic was talking about? Yeah, he says so it, this is him sitting in front of a big LED, 270 yeah, degree and, screen and you know or something. What? I've actually seen um, <clears throat> things like that. They use them a lot in car commercials and stuff too. It's literally like a wide, like he said, 270 degrees. It actually is 270 degrees. It's curved. It's huge. And it looks super realistic. You cannot That's, tell. That is awesome. Just, so it's, the, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast before, but I mean, he's done, a, I think about the best job of describing like what it is so far that I've heard I've on any podcast or anything. I've seen photos of it. I can send you pictures of like car commercials, like stills that have that screen wrapped around it's it's yeah. legitimately insane yeah to me that looks better than a green screen oh, yeah you know, I, 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 I like practical effects but you know i don't know well it's it's weird because it kind of is a practical effect yeah, it's, right it's kind <laughs> yeah, of a, yeah it's kind of it's a perfect marriage of the two really getting getting back to putting people on a set and having something they can interact with yeah, you and mcgregor might like it better than just being in front of a green screen which i'm sure they'll be and this was part of the thing like um you know george lucas tried to make 
the, you know, Star Wars Underworld and stuff. And he said that just the technology wasn't there yet to, to have the budget to make something of the, the caliber that he wanted to. But for television, and I think this is a big part of that, like you can visualize, you can change things on the fly and have the actors respond to it. Yeah, did Dominic say the whole thing was on two sets? He said something about said two like sets. Three, like between three sets, they he thinks they did the whole thing. Yeah. For the yeah. whole Mandalorian? Yeah, they had like, th- they had basically like, um, so Jason Ward has broke this down too. They, like m- most all like the exterior shots were done on one set um, over in California. So I forget exactly around where, but that's where a lot of uh, Jason Ward from making Star Wars as soon as he found out where it was, like he basically camped out on top of like this building across the street. And I think he befriended somebody that worked there, like a security guard or something that worked there. And he just like camped out there and got a bunch of photos and behind the scenes information and stuff. So, so it was for, go for, Oh, just for context. I don't know anything about making movies. Like how, how, what's the usual number of sets for something like this? Uh, it depends. I mean, for like an indie film, we had, we shot, we shot, we, so like, there was like the house scene and that was actually two separate houses that we made look like one house. And then you have various locations like, you know, driving or uh, a spa or a club and things like that. So, I mean, it depends on what the script calls for, but since most of it is, you know, like for a Star Wars type thing, if, you, if you're able to make this giant screen look like the world that you're in um is probably more cost effective than traveling and having to pay yeah. per diems and having to have people go there oh they don't want to send everyone to tunisia again <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> right. not like it's, i mean travel travel's expensive um i sh- like even even in the la area palm springs is like an hour 45 minutes away shot an indie film there um we had to get hotels for everybody because we were shooting five days a week um, had to pay them per diems for uh, every day that they were working, and um, it just it, yeah, it gets it gets expensive quick. Yeah, so these this exterior shot of him coming out this door and facing the stormtrooper, the set that Jason Ward was looking over was like the exterior sets. So basically, imagine Tim Q like on the front of this wall, you have like this door and this setup you see here in this shot. And on the back of it, it's like a slightly different building type of building. And they would just turn them around. But like, so all the exterior shots for a couple of different places were shot there, basically. And I know that they built the cantina set. So then you have that set. And then probably the majority of everything else was shot in in front of the, the volume. And then you just have a few practical like set dressing pieces, like tables and chairs and crates or whatever in the foreground. Man, that building one is of those. all shot up. Look at that. Uh, he's coming out and he's getting shot at, and I think it's awesome. Boom! So he blasts that guy, and then it ricochets right oh, off of his Beskar armor. So what kind of? Why doesn't everyone wear that armor? So okay, <laughs> Beskar is like it's only found, I believe, on a couple of the planet, like the Mandalorian planets, and it's like expressly it used to be expressly for the mandalorians and it's one of the reasons like they why they were so formidable against the jedi because it was also like lightsaber resistant so when when does this take place this takes place this takes place uh a few years after return of the jedi interesting okay 
So you had the revolution. Because I was wondering if they're talking about the revolution, if they could have been referencing the Mandalorian Wars, but that's just wishful thinking. Um, no, it's because uh, the Empire came in and conquered Mandalore and took all their Beskar away from them and even melted down a lot of their armor. And you it, see, it, like... It didn't, didn't help them. <laughs> right. Well, you see that... Uh, you see that... Um, I don't in the clip of celebration when he's talking to Werner Herzog, he pays him in a block of metal, and that block of metal is Beskar, and he says it's good to get it back in a Mandalorian's hands because it, it's essentially a block of metal that is the Beskar, and it has the Imperial emblem on it, so they use it kind of as like a currency. Interesting. Um, and if you'll notice, like in this shot, he's got all this shiny armor and stuff, all this Beskar on, but in other shots, he's got some like hodgepodge, more raggedy armor. So I think that he does more jobs for Werner Herzog or however, and he ends up with more of that Beskar and rebuilds his armor is what the theory is. That would make Seems sense. reasonable. But pretty sweet that we actually see some armor doing some good. Yep. Yeah, that's used to the stormtrooper fake do nothing armor. Is this grief carga? Is this uh, Apollo Creed? I'm having a brain fart again. It is Apollo Creed. It, it, it looks like it could be him. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> that was it. Oh crap! Uh, no, what's his name for real? Weathers, Carl Weathers, Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Yeah. Also, when the, uh, the Mandalorian just had a press conference and he revealed that for uh, they're already beginning to shoot season two, and he is directing an episode of season two. Wow! Uh, yeah, he's gonna get himself a stew brewing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to watch this reference. and uh, yeah, just get a big bowl of soup. Yep, Carl Weathers, man, that's his best thing. Carl Weathers in the action. Start November 12th, of course. Streaming November 12th. All right, now this next shot here, we see a young boy. Yeah, that's him as a kid. All right. You know what, you know what it looks like to me? It looks like, what's that, uh, the Disney actress? It looks like a young her, the tall Disney actress. A young her. I don't know who. Casey, you're probably the only one here who would know anything about young Disney actresses. Um, <laughs> Take that as you will. She's, no, she was she was in, she was in Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, she, Z- Z- Zen, uh, oh Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, she look, he look, that looks like a young Zendaya to me. She's in Disney stuff. Just Marvel stuff, Disney. you mean? She, she grew up with Disney. Oh, well, we all. I so did I. She but. really? I, I have no idea who that even is. Grew up being in Disney, but that looks like look, look, the nose and stuff. Like it just. Yeah, I can does. see that. I think that's a boy though. <laughs> That is a boy. I mean, that's the rumor. All right. So interesting thing here. He's he we see he's wearing some sort of red um, hooded cloak. Now, if you guys remember in Rogue One, there were the uh, the red hooded cloaked figures that were supposed to be the guardians of the wills, mm-hmm. or like the priests of the wills, or whatever. Not the guardians. So potentially, maybe there's something there. Now, Chad, you're probably not going to like this next couple scenes here. So we see some battle going on. We paint up, and boom, that is a uh, Turtle. Trade Federation uh, battleship. 
So I think this is a flashback to the Clone Wars. Yeah. And then in the next shot, we see it looks like his family. We see some super battle droids in the background. So I don't know why they had to write that in. It's ridiculous. The super battle droids look way more menacing now than they did before. Oh, yeah. Like, look at the shape of like the snout. It almost looks, uh, I guess. They they look darker, too, darker in color. The closest thing I could reference to the Star Wars universe would be like Bothan type faces. It looks like a dog, like a hound. Yeah, (laughs) they definitely look more menacing. And I think a lot of that is just the lighting because. Even like in the Clone Wars, where we saw mostly, and even in uh, Episode Three, everything is very well lit for the most part. Well, these things, like even with the lighting, there's a line down the head. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a tribal mark. You know what I mean? Yeah, they definitely look pretty menacing there. Mm. Coming after him and his family, or a family at least. We don't know for sure. A visionary new series. All right, we see that uh, Hook. interaction. That was lashed with Obi-Wan at one point in time. And watch the tentacles on this guy, how they're just... That Do he's we know who that his... guy is? Because he looks like the guy that's in the, uh, the comic that's out right now. So his armor is different here, too. Yeah, so I think his armor is just going to like transform. This is like more so of the raggedy this, armor. This, this deflects. Maybe he fixes the shoulders first. It deflects against that armor. So it looks but like that, that, but that, but that looks different than, than than the other shot when he came out of the cantina. I think this is, it's it still might be the best car because it's the same shape. It just might not be polished, but this is definitely different. His chest piece, yeah, yeah, and at different times he does have like mismatching um, shoulder armors. Fires he from the hip. Like, he shoots like Han Solo does. Yeah. Like leans back. So here's here's the question, right? And I know that this is you're probably gonna bring it up, right? Going back to Django Fett and the creature that killed Django Fett. Right. This looks Mace Windu. This looks very, very the creature, the, yeah, like the a creature, the creature that six ran foot tall Django Fett. Bald, that, dark skinned man. That that made Django, <laughs> that that made Django Fett um like he got like his, his uh jetpack was a reek. You know, his jetpack was sparking and stuff like that. He couldn't escape. He was there. This looks like that same creature. But it's hairy. It does look a lot like it, yeah, but it has hair. Right, but maybe maybe being on Geonos- like the Geonosians, because like, if you malnourish an animal, whether it's a dog or whatever, they tend to lose hair. So it's also missing two horns. Yeah, two- zoom, yeah zoom out a, a little bit. On the, on the trailer just, one. Just, That's it. Is, That's zoomed out. Maybe, maybe this is a female. Oh, it is all the way zoomed out? Okay. But we'll, we'll get a better shot here in a second. This, this could be a female instead of a male, you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a very the, similar Okay, creature. look how big that, that front horn is. It's huge. It's like half the length of the body. Now go back to the reek. I think I think. Yeah, female, no way. That Yeah, that horn is just completely different shaped. Right, but I mean, if you look at various types of animals, right... All right, let's um, look at the, the toes. The, the Reek has three toes. Go back the to the Mandalorian. Females look extraordinarily different. Yeah, so it's, okay. I mean, it's possible that they might be. All right, all right. Does it have cloven hooves? <laughs> what, what are the feet? Uh, I want to know if it's kosher. 
basically. Yeah, right. Is he trying to eat it? Yeah, we we really can't tell. You can't really see. It's covered in mud. Okay, what about the teeth? So that one has just like very... They're fairly few, spaced a out. Few, a few number of spaced and, out and, lungs and, it look, teeth. and it looks like it has cataracts. Right. And then yeah, what and, about the reek? Go okay, look. Front-facing front facing eyes. Front-facing so eyes. They're not side-facing you know, side eyes. Okay. Nostril. Basically right part of the, of the horn. Arm. Yeah. Okay, so the, uh, the nostril... Uh, I mean, the eyes and stuff match up. It could just be like its cousin. Yeah, yeah. The nostril seems below, well below the horn to me for the right. reek. Though. Well, I mean, like I said, though, it could be different from males. Could be and, male, and, female. It's true. Okay. I, this I could be know. a female because it's sleek and she, sexy she, like, looking. Just like just like female lions, they're the ones that do the hunting, so they're more dangerous. So and it does say, yeah. yeah, comes in red and gray. Homeworld, Yesia, Lesia, and the Cotian Moon. So I mean, they could be. Could be different. Uh, they could be bred, just like the different. Yeah, the yeah, different. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities, but uh, yeah, to me, there's enough differences that I don't think they're the same thing. Like, like you could, I mean, you could breed something for a specific purpose, just like. There's the other version of one that. That's that's why that's we from a pug, game. That's that's why we have pugs instead of wolves today. You know. What I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. General Grievous on a reek. But. It's been a long time since the Clone Wars. It's true. It's true. They could have, they could have breeded for or bred for breeded it. This could have been like the original version that they bred for. You know what I mean? Like they bred extra horns onto the side of his head. Or this just could be like that a could, really that male that nourished. Be, that could that could be a male versus female thing too. If you look at male versus female in the in the lion world, the females don't have manes, but you still call it a lion. Yeah, it's true. yeah, and I guess I guess cows, boy cows, sometimes have horns, and girls don't, right? Right, and you never know. Like a, a female, beer. a female gecko in the Star Wars universe has boobs on top of his head, and a male gecko has horns. <laughs> apparently, apparently <laughs> Dominic's gonna hate us at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, we want him to come back, Roach. No, I, I think he would agree with that. I mean, heck, if. <laughs> If you were Gecko, put yourself in Dominic's shoes as Gecko, and uh, whatever species you are, like you got, you got the guys are horny, and then you got girls who's got boobs on top of their head. Like I love, I love, I love, I love how he brought up little Nikki. <laughs> that is exactly what I was imagining because yes. this little like fetish scene in Little Nikki, <laughs> like him and another demon are like playing with his head boobs. <laughs> I think I think he has like tassels on it. At one yeah, point. yeah, he's, he's whipping his head around in a circle, yeah. like shaking the tassels around. <laughs> that just yeah. I'm glad. I'm Barry's glad so went. hairy. I'm glad, I'm glad the direction went the way it went. That uh, was a that was a beautiful interview. That, that whole was, thing was just amazing. That was spectacular. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this could be who knows? It could be just a different strand, a different breed of reek. Uh, male or female it could just it almost looks like they're enclosed so maybe this is one that's similar to being on geonosis maybe it's being kept in there somewhere and he's got to escape or fight his way out Wait, past this thing. geonosis is very dry this is very muddy he's right, trying yeah. to catch it he's not trying to get away you think yeah yeah i mean he's hooked onto it right he's, so. he's attached to it with some kind of string and he's letting it drag him he's not running 
Guys, with that. Is, but the thing is, why though? Because he's 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 not a he's a bounty hunter. He's not a smuggler. Maybe, maybe he wants to ride it around. I don't know. That or maybe this thing is terrorizing the town nearby and he was hired to kill it type thing. You know? yeah. Could be. Yeah, could be. Look how freaking muddy he is. It's going to be sweet just seeing him get some mud, yeah, being, some muddy he's armor. He's literally being dragged. Like, that is wet ground. You know what I mean? Right. All right, next shot we got. Boom. <laughs> oh, Casey, you're funny. The Ugnat. Roach is like, look at all that mud. And Casey's like, yes, indeed. That is some wet dirt. <laughs> well, yeah, so you know it's not like Tatooine. They're not going to waste water. You know it's not Geonosis. They're not going to waste water. Yeah, yeah, that is okay. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about seeing uh, a uh, Ugnat as uh, more of a featured character? I think that's great. Oh, let's see. I'm trying what's, to... what's an Ugnat? Do I know what an Ugnat is? Uh, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, the little creatures that are running the um, the carbon freezing chamber and... Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. So, so, so they're like little mini engineer type dudes. That's, I still think that's great. Either way. And rumor has it that this man right here is playing the Ugnat. Nick Nolte? Nick, Nick Nolte is an interesting dude. Nick Nolte is supposed oh, to be playing. That looks, that looks like Nick Nolte to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that uh, ironically. Well, we're never getting Nick Nolte on the podcast. <laughs> no, but I mean like. That ship has sailed. No, but I mean, no, but I mean like I'm just talking about like the facial structure. Uh, <laughs> And the expression, um, Nick Nolte is very, very good. At no, yeah, it's definitely shining. Nick Nolte is definitely shining through. He looks with a like mask like Nick that. Nolte. How much would the how much would the actor's face control that mask? Well, they build the mask around the face. But how right. much? How much of that expression is the actor, and how much is just the prosthesis, though? Like, uh, it just well, depends. Yeah, it, it does. It does depend a little bit, but I, I mean, that's a pretty heavy duty mask. I don't think the actor has much to do with that expression. Well, just this right here, you can tell it's Nick Nolte. It yeah. can probably he open can the, mouth the eyebrows, and that's, and that's it. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, was yeah. I was, I was, I was looking at the eyes. Yeah, this oh, okay. is probably all Nick Nolte right here. All right, I was looking at the whole. I was looking more at the jowls. <laughs> Of course you were. Of course well, I mean, you were. Even, even even the frown screams Nick Nolte. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, we got a shot. Speeders. Two speeders. Old, old school speeders too. It looks like, right? Yeah. Like uh, episode two speeders. Not Man, the swoop. It looks like it, it's not the swoop. It's not. It's not a speeder either, though. Like so, some sort of variant. Yeah. We think but this looks, is Tatooine, it looks, boys. It looks, it, look, it looks more like a swoop, though, with the front, but the back doesn't look like a swoop. And I can't tell who's riding in front of them there. Someone in a blue. It's like Marty McFly painted blue. Judging right. from his expression, I'd say that's Nick Nolte too. <laughs> I... <laughs> that looks like Nick Nolte's backside. <laughs> it looks like a vest he'd wear. <laughs> And Tim Q, that's why you can count your friends with your penis. <laughs> <laughs> One of his favorite pastimes. Um, uh, he just keeps counting it over and over and over and over again. Well, no, uh, no head horns, or uh, it looks like a human to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, it can only and count to one, but I do it a couple hundred times in a row. And is that is that the <laughs> is that the Mandalorian following him? You think? Yep, yep. That looks like the Mandalorian yeah, like on it. the. Uh, yeah, that's him. But they don't look like they're engaged. It just kind of seem to be riding. I don't think this is a chase. Now this yeah. this gives me flashbacks of uh, like if you were just to imagine a waypoint off in the distance here. And uh, it's just Casey and I going on a mission in Star Wars Galaxies. Yes, it does. Maybe we got to go take out some uh, muddy female reeks back here, destroy their nest. You're making me. You're making me want to play Star Wars Galaxies again. Well, good, good. Uh, you oh, and I and uh, Mark Fernandez, who uh, who runs Collider over there. I, I guess he's a huge Star Wars Galaxies fan to this day. He actually uh, helped bankroll some of the. Uh, the emulators yeah no you see i think i think it'd be worth talking to disney at some point in time about another mmo that is not ea controlled yeah um, because really like the only mmo nowadays is that people play as well like i don't hear anything else about others yeah well i guess uh the old republic just got there just hit some milestone i forget what it was i just saw like it made it some big milestone for how much money is brought in or something or how many players it's had or something. But yeah, because it went, it went from like a free to play, like there's a free to play version and a pay to win version. Yeah. So here we see the next shot is a wide shot. It's the Mandalorian at dusk, just walking off into uh, the distance. It looks like. I wonder if we'll hear binary sunset during that scene. Then we get the Razor Crest is being pursued by another ship that's shooting at him. But look, it almost looked like a Naboo. Ooh, an N one fighter. Like you saw the yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. Could, it could be. That's definitely a yellow. That could that'd be a sweet callback. I want to. Man, I was really hoping to see an N one. I'm still hoping to see an N one starfighter in the rise of skywalker that looks just, that that looks like from naboo to me just like an old beat up n1 starfighter that's probably what anakin will show up oh, as oh just the young version of himself <laughs> somehow space time yep i think if you pause and hit the the uh greater than button like next to the question mark you can go frame by frame Nope. On the keyboard? Like two right from M? Tim Q's right. You got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah. That is a YouTube thing. I don't know. Those those back uh, burners don't really look like an N1. There's a double burner on one side. I mean, it's later on in the universe. Yeah, it could be a modified N1. It's an N2. Like who's to say that that Naboo didn't upgrade their starships? You know what I mean. But yellow right. was there. But you yellow can, was there. You color. can you can breed traits into future generations of starships pretty easily. That's why we have pugs now. Hey, yeah, j- just like uh, the the reek. <laughs> the reek the, it's the now horror? a rork. It's now a stink. It's oh, now a stink man. instead of a reek. So here we got to grief carga and a couple. So. This is the guy he was – so he's going to be in some of these uh, – he's in the Bounty Hunter Guild, he said. Dominic's character, Gecko. Is that like their union? Yeah. 
the bounty hunters guild that was a thing in the uh the old expanded universe that uh is being recanonized in this it's kind of like a pirate's code yeah yeah interesting and uh i believe grief karga here carl weathers is supposed to be the leader of the bounty hunters guild you see but he seems like see that i think that's where the human aspect comes into it because he looks walking up to that ship he looks like i don't really want to have to kill anybody you know what i mean right is this like a john wick situation yeah, it might be yeah yeah, yeah kind of like that universal yeah. rules in there yeah. yep yep maybe the cantina is a safe spot yeah all right that girl was she in deadpool as the yes. best yes. superhero lady yes gina carano coming in for a superhero landing and she, her character is uh, a former rebel shock trooper, Cara Dune. See, and this armor here for the Mandalorian looks complete. It looks finished. Yeah, see, look, it's it's different than that uh, that piece that we saw. The, the initial scene from the cantina where he came out and it deflected. Yeah, it's different than that. It's and got this big ridge. It's very different, too. Yeah. This looks like. This is like a polished, complete version. That that badge is that the the bounty hunter guild thing? Because it looked like old uh, Apollo had one of those too. Right here, yeah. it's a yeah, union yeah. member thing. Oh, he yeah, had I one thought, of those I thought, too. I thought so. Did he not? Yeah, yeah, right on the center of his vest. Is there that, is that not? Is it the same thing? Oh, maybe that might just be a thing. clasp. Okay, yeah, I thought might it might just be two thing. different clasps. Maybe good it's call. A cro- maybe it's a crossover pre Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, looked similar to me. It could. I mean, it could be. Nah, it's kind of blurry again. Yeah. It, 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 it I think does, I'm wrong. But, I mean, I, it might, wrong. I mean, it might make sense to have like the leader wear like the glowing version of it around him and not have it branded on an armor. You know what I mean? Right. So here we get. Walking. Looks like just a side shot of the Mandalorian walking. Maybe only one, only one sun, potentially two, depending on whether you follow the light to the second ridge, or if it's already gone down. Yeah, there's because there's two lens flares there. You see that? Yeah, depends on. Uh, we, we can't see how many shadows he's got there. Yost. All right, so this looks like okay. Here's uh, uh, Giancarlo. That looks like the same cantina he walked out of earlier. Yeah, with all like they just blasted with that. the shot out window. Yeah, that window looks exactly like the one he wants. So this is Moff Gideon. He is uh, calling the shots in this part of uh, space. We see it looks like there's some death troopers. Yes. Yeah, they're tall. They're dark and handsome. I don't know if they're handsome, but <laughs> this nope. this scene this scene looks super cool. I can't wait to watch this scene. Because this dude, he can rotate his head like crazy, and he's just blasting people away. It's IG what? 11? 11. 11. Yeah, and looks like he picked up a Stormtrooper's uh, E-11 blaster. Yeah, like this guy is dangerous. I can't wait to see. It's, it's kind of like uh, watching something like the Magnificent Seven, except this guy can see everything everywhere. And is just calculating everything. It's, it's like it's like watching that movie with Batman where he cuts the dude's face off. Like, yeah. What's that one? The 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 oh man, Who's I don't this? remember. Batman? The face cutter. Yeah. The, the 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 oh man, what's that movie called? That looks like Darth Vader. 
<laughs> what the hell? Cuts the guy's yeah. face off. The movie with Batman where he cuts the guy's face off. <laughs> it's actually Batman? Who, who cuts the, the dude's face off? The dude who played Batman. Who's the dude that played Batman? Which one? Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale. He's in a, I think it's him. Equilibrium or something? Oh, so this isn't Batman. Okay. Equilibrium it's just a guy that played Denzel Batman. Washington. Oh, no, no. I Equilibrium. think it was. I get them confused, I was... too. Are you talking about, are you talking about Face-Off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta? <laughs> a spectacular movie. movie. Spectacular movie. Film. Yeah, it, it is good. Like, Con Air, man. Come on, yeah, Nicolas I'm Cage. Talking about Dude, the, I'm talking about John the movie. Travolta playing, playing Nicolas Cage, playing John Travolta. That's a, that, that's a match made in heaven. Oscar was. Mix was National Treasure, and the treasure is the armor. Okay, so here we see... Yeah, no, in Equilibrium, Christian Bale walks around with two guns firing very precisely, just like the robot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, you're right. Oh, Equilibrium, man. Not, okay. Yeah, that not that took me way too long to remember. Yeah, My brain doesn't work anymore. Equilibrium was based off of like a, a martial art technique called gun kata. You're right. Um, I, I was thinking about the Denzel Washington Equalizer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Equilibrium. But uh, Equilibrium was a good movie. Like you were supposed to have emotions and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think he cuts Tay Diggs' face off. Like chops it off with a sword. Yeah, yeah. No, he uh, he does some crazy stuff in that movie. It's a really <laughs> good movie. Uh, I wish yeah, yeah. there was a sequel to it because it was it was super fun and the gun kata was super cool. This woman has a very defined chin. I just wanted to say that from the side there. So, so, quite a so, so what you're saying is that her bone structure is giving your bone structure? Tim <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Key just started counting his friends again. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so do we think this, so we get a tease here. There's this uh, lady and she looks like she's grabbing his helmet. Uh, take it off. Yes. We, can we actually already kind of see him through there in that shot? This shot? Yeah, like, does that... No, that looks like a reflection so. to me. No, okay, so I was like, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, we know what he looks like. Yeah, well, she's yeah, totes, uh, taking his helmet off. That's, that's I don't know if she'll actually get to see it. Is she taking it off or is she just like holding him? Like, like I mean, be, it looks it like she's lifted. Or it could be either. her hands are moving up. They're on the move. I think she's and, taking his helmet off. And why? Yeah, and why? Why would well, he? Well, they kind of they kind of come to rest though. Yeah, they're kind of like it's kind of like she's just like. But why caressing I mean, it with her thumb? He like he obviously knows her. Why would he allow some random person to do that to him? Yeah, yeah. Well, is that not the? Could that be the girl from the beginning that's holding? Is that too old or young to be his mother? Sure, it's too young. That's not his mom. That can't be his mom. Could be like it could be, it could be a sister. A sister that he didn't know he had. It could be Ooh. just the force. It could be he could be visiting the town that where that happened and he recognizes this girl. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. All right. She'll so this like, looks I like knew. I always knew after they made out and it was really weird, but Gina Carano shootout in the cantina. What is this thing just off to the is this a stormtrooper? What is this? Dead stormtrooper on the right? Like it looks like a stormtrooper. Slumped over. Maybe. Well, but he's standing. It looked like his left arm from behind. Well, maybe the Mandalorian yeah. just said, maybe the Mandalorian just said, now is the time. And somebody impaled him with a huge spear to the wall. <laughs> it could be. There's something sticking out right there. If you look at like the black mm-hmm. thing sticking out from his back. 
what yeah. movie was that from, Tim Q? The Odyssey? The Odyssey, yeah. Go back and watch now that. Now is the time to fight. No, is the time to fight. <laughs> Just impales a guy to the wall. Awesome. All right. I was say, it would be awesome to see a badass female Mandalorian if that's what she's playing. Is that Bill Burr? That is, is. Bill Burr. <laughs> Why is Bill Burr? <laughs> he doesn't even really like Star Wars, but there he is. He was so, John Favreau said he thought it would be funny to put Bill Burr in Star Wars since he didn't like Star Wars, and it's he thought hilarious. that everybody else would find that funny too. I love Bill Burr. So, here we have two ends of the spectrum we have dominic pace huge star wars fan awesome like out of his like mind excited about being in star wars and then you got freaking bill burr who you recognize immediately not covered in makeup or a mask yeah like i, I this should be gecko this should be gecko right there's here there's a blaster strapped to his shoulder how can it how can that be accurate what is that even firing? How is that even have firing? You, have you not seen the Predator movies? Yeah, he's just got well, a, another blaster. What's he, what's he aiming with? I think it's just firing blindly. Uh, it it's probably just like a, it's like a covering some... fire type yeah. thing. Just, yeah, just cover just fire. Get it's some fire. bolts out there. And... You don't want to do that when you're actually trying to cover somebody that's running in any general direction where you're firing. Get some though. blaster bolts downrange. It could be something that's attached to him, like Doc Ock, you know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe. it could be even a droid. Part of a droid, and maybe has some droid intelligence. That's I don't know, like IG-11's arm or something. All right, now here we see the Mandalorian (laughs) once again using his uh, that grappling hook, and he is connected to a Tie Fighter. Pulls himself in. Does it look like he's using a jetpack here? It does. I don't know. Or is that just jet stream from him? That might just no. Look at there's like a flame on there. It looks like there's a. Yeah, it looks like there's a flame. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, there's a flame. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen anybody point this out. Yeah, uh, yep. Look at that. He's got a jetpack. Oh, that's, that's a talking Sith exclusive. Yeah, talking Sith first. exclusive. Jetpack. Jetpack. First. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You can totally see it. Yep, he's got a jetpack. And oh, there's Gus Fring know. flying yeah. the Tie Fighter. He's not yeah. excited about the Mandalorian being there. Boo. No. <laughs> my daughter says that all the time except this time it's probably more scary for him than it is for me boo boo and then we got him standing does it look like his ship might have crashed it's his definitely armor not... is different again he a ship guards. is crashed I don't he, has know. Arm, he has arm guards looks like a gash on the uh left shoulder there too at the yeah. bottom yeah, I think yeah this a is a different color they're like more maroon rust. colored yep there's definitely a, a couple renditions of armor that we know he goes through the mandalorian original Stop. series Disney Plus, take my money we, we spent a lot of time yeah. on that we said what 20 minutes I think we spent just about an hour <laughs> yeah going through the trailer that was a good call with the jetpack though yeah that was that was, that was, that good. was cool yeah, I did not yeah. see that before. I had not. All right, guys. So definitely looking forward to the Mandalorian even more now, just knowing, man, what an awesome just personality that uh, Dominic has there. But uh, yeah, Chad, I hear you have a uh, a new project on the horizon here. Uh, that's correct. So I've gotten about two episodes in to a weekly podcast I'm starting called Star Wars Lunch Special, uh, designed to keep you entertained during your lunch hour or any time of the day. Um, 
be day or night, listen to me and fall asleep with me, wake up to me, whatever you choose to use it as, it's uh, your torture. So go for it. Oh, wow. And you can find that on the Talking Sith Pod feed. And what's the name of that podcast, Chad? That is the Star Wars Lunch Special. I would love to wake up to you. And if you want any of us to uh, guest star... Yeah, well, it's just um, it's just saying I would love to sleep with this podcast <laughs> and count your friends with, with your one friend <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> All right, Timkey, how about you? Anything uh, new going on? Where can people like and follow you? At Joshua Timkey on Twitter. Um, it's a you, you got to follow it. It's a great uh, just you'll see. Yeah, the suspense builds months and months and months between posts. <laughs> Oh, you gave it away, man. Come on. I, I gave away that there's suspense. Hey. All right. All right. Spoiler alert. And what about you, Casey? Uh, my Instagram at, at C Schreffler. That is C-S-C-H-R-E-F-F-L-E-R. Um, you can follow my posts, my work that I've been doing. Do a lot of videos. Have a lot coming out. Um, and if I know you in some modicum of reality, uh, you can add me on Facebook at Casey Schreffler. I should be the only one in the world. None of this is real. He's, it's like a Highlander. He's the only one. There He's can only the be old, one. There can only be one Casey Schreffler. And we've got him of, here at Talking lots Sith Pod. Of, lots of beheaded Casey Schreffler. It's just a trail of blood led him to yeah. the uniqueness what, what, of that what's, call what's sign. Re- what's really sad about that is that all of that led to me. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like it'd be weird if like thousands of me have been killed. Why is so, my life that or like the one with Jet Li? Yeah, yeah. The whole point is like you you absorb the power of whoever you kill. So like all these Casey Shrufflers have been building up, and this is the climax. Yes. I hope, I, well, I hope I hope there's several more Casey Shrufflers out there. <laughs> Just waiting to absorb you, and, and not and not to say that I hate. No, I, I love my life. I love my kid. I love. My but if if this is like the climax of the crazy couples, there's I hope there's a couple thousand more that we go out and kill. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, we like Casey Schreffler just the way he is and right where he's at at Talking Sith Pod. I love you too. We'll see you in. I'll see you in person in December. For Rise of Skywalker. Yes. 48 days until Rise of Skywalker. Guys, we are the Talking Sith Pod. You can like us, follow us across all social media platforms at Talking Sith Pod. Uh, Message us, email us at TalkingSithPod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, your theories, your questions. Guys, enter to win. Sign piece of memorabilia from Dominic Pace. We are the Talking Sith Pod, guys. Until next time. Until next time. May that force be with you. Good. <laughs> Everything expressed in the podcast is the intellectual property of Talking Sith. We are not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm in any way. Star Wars is their property. We just like to talk about it. <laughs>